Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, flow, freedom, agorism, anarchy, and more. Our mission is to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. I'm your host, Mike the Polymath Whistler, coming from the Easy Peasy Shop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. in progress all right y'all welcome to easy peasy episode god i want to say 40 yeah i think you're right there, yeah. i think it's 40 but we got a couple friends on the show remotely you know coming in via the magic of the internet and we got tegan and alexia hi. yeah say hi <laughs> first time ever being on anything like this yeah, hey like hell yeah well, it's it really is like fun to interview friends. So, you know, just for background, like I grew up with Tegan, um, just gotten to know Alexia more recently in the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, they're doing the homestead thing. But I think before we get into all of that, maybe you guys kind of introduce yourselves, tell us, you know, your background, your what you do for a living, all that good stuff. Well, uh, I'm an environmental scientist, not really working as one per se right now. I'm really just doing like project management stuff from home, um, which I mean, it's still great. I wish I had more of an environmental focus, but make sure that my life itself has a lot of that. So I guess mm-hmm. that kind of balances out. Um, I mean, yeah, we go way back. I always tell her it's funny that it's crazy how much of our friend group have known each other since like kindergarten. Yeah, like, for real, for real. Like, insane. And you guys have all grown up, but you still have the same like the foundation is still there. You guys still have a lot of the same similarities and yeah. it's interesting seeing you guys communicate in your late twenties. It seems mm-hmm. like you guys are still teenagers sometimes. Wedding. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we just saw each other like what, two weeks ago. Is that all? Yeah. I gave yeah. it a quick, it was a good turnaround. Yeah. 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 We were all out in Vermont having a good time seeing our friend Logan get married such a such a good party first one i'd been to in a while i think uh probably goes for most of us <laughs> yeah I long i just that's like the second wedding i've ever been to in my life yeah Last is one. that yeah is that wow yeah i just don't have to go and do them i guess i don't know i was gonna say <laughs> I, our wedding would have been your second one true yeah if everything had gone ready ours would have been my second one <laughs> so you guys had to push your wedding back we haven't really yeah, put yeah. it together. We just know we're going to have it on the property and keep it super simple. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We're honestly waiting on her. Uh, her grandmother has been vaccinated. So mm. still, she's about to get it in like a week. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that we're pressuring anybody, but we're no, just thinking yeah. she's in that age group. She smokes. So if we're going to have her be around people, <laughs> have some kind of. Yeah. She's just, 
don't know if I was giving you much background on Alexa herself, but I mean, she yeah, like her family's from Russia originally, and then Latvia, and America. And I mean, her grandma was raised in like the USSR. So yeah, wow. Only we had to convince her that American vaccines are okay. Yeah, because like, otherwise she was going to wait it out for Sputnik, which is mm. the Russian vaccine, and who knows if that was ever going to get uh, approved I mean, here. Yeah, it's probably never going to get approved in there. They're calling it Sputnik? Yeah, they're literally calling it Sputnik. Oh my god, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> one thing. Everything that's their first big name is going to be oh, the same yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, anybody that's listened to any episodes of this show pretty much knows I'm not getting the shot, but like as you said it depends on sort of your own circumstance and age and all that yeah i wasn't gonna get it for a long we both weren't i mean we don't interact with people there's not really mm-hmm. much of a reason to and it just i don't why do we end up getting it i don't um, know i got convinced somehow yeah i don't remember we ended up getting pfizer though and yeah yeah i got sick as shit for one day though yeah, one day well that's not yeah. as bad as i think some people had yeah, yeah. yeah which i mean at this point i think i don't know we've talked about this total side no, but I think vaccines not even the right word to use like for these. They're well, they call really it vaccines. they call it gene therapy for a reason. Like some yeah. of the um, yeah, I think some of the actual like legal, you know, documents kind of have have to have that language because it's yeah. it's different, you know. Yeah. But I've studied that in school. I studied virology, and it was one of the courses I had to take, and hmm. it was probably one of the most difficult courses I had to take. I mean, that's like really we went over gene therapy a lot, and it was really pushing. I mean. I've taken the classes and I'm even skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Well, it's It's like, you know, it's like, I don't think anybody knows what's right really at this point, but it's all, it's all good, you know, from whatever side, like just, I'm all about don't make anybody do anything, you know? And I think you guys are on the exact same page there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't conform. Right. (laughs) Was it New York when right before Cuomo stepped down, he like, he's pretty much put that mandate where you have to have it to go anywhere. And it's so funny because, you know, he was priding himself being a very left person who cares about minorities. But the first thing that that did was make sure that, you know, the largest unvaccinated groups of the population can no longer go to the grocery store and gyms and whatnot. And that's Hispanics and Blacks. So yeah, where is your left really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of it. Like, it's just control. Like, once they've passed that, that's a huge margin. Like, so you That's what I've been. Side. that's what i've been saying the whole time it's not even about the virus per se it's about control you know yeah. the virus is real and we should you know everybody's got to do their thing about it but um yeah. whatever so anyways going back tegan you're so environmental science major studied studied that you've done some work in that field what are you doing now i don't think you so said just like project management stuff and work from home it's really it's, okay. it's not even usually in the full 40 weeks 40 hours a week i just mostly keeping projects going along it's through a construction company that's out of iowa like with their largest company in the state like whites so it's called mm-hmm. um honestly i guess spend most of my free time focusing on my permaculture class and hmm. that and hi puppy what was that second thing uh permaculture class and just uh keeping lowering our carbon footprint all our personal goals providing for ourselves here mm-hmm. which i honestly that's perfect for me right now mm-hmm. uh, i did do some pretty science the last thing i did of a sciencey was right as COVID started i helped work on one of the tests i was having to drive all the way into salt lake which we live like an hour outside of but um it's part of the reason i stopped working there but i actually worked with like people's dead tissues from those the diamond princess that cruise ship oh wow that was kind of my one of my final trials it was cool like i helped start with i can't say i helped complete the test or anything 
but I was like, it's time. I wanted out of there for job reasons, driving, consuming some of my life. But also, it was kind of creepy that I was working with that. At that point in time, really, no one knew what was going on still. And I was like, this is going to kill me. <laughs> I don't need to be. Well, yeah, fair. <laughs> You're not trying to necessarily like put yourself in danger, are you? Yeah. So would it have been like the PCR test or more of the like quick ones or? Uh, it's so the company I was working for is called Biofire. And they kind of had a mix of using a PCR based test with like a very very quick run. Our quickest test was 45 minutes. Um, the longest one, I think it was two hours. We were already running gauntlet for almost every common bacteria virus that you could have. Uh, and I was working in quality control, building quality control laboratory. So I was just running positive negative tests and whatnot, keeping it right. But for the COVID one, I got to actually start sitting in on meetings with some of the higher ups and we started like planning stuff out. It was kind of cool, but the company had a lot of issues. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just took my first test right before coming to Vermont um, by request of the person I was staying with. And it's like, it was like a 15 minute test, you know, and part of me wonders if you can really trust those or not, I guess. There's a lot of margin of error in that. When you Is that right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I started seeing that in those tests and I was like, the faster you make it, like you're increasing that margin of error. Always. Yeah. At least in what I know. Of course, selfishly, I'm just like more hoping for a you know a correct result being negative yeah. or an incorrect result being <laughs> negative <laughs> you know selfishly <laughs> i want to go on the trip i don't want to have to stay home you know yeah. so it's like i just don't want to see the positive thing pop up i'm i'm satisfied at that point but you know it would be great i honestly think um it'd be so great if we could have a, a quick test that was cheap and widely available and like that way, instead of having to show proof of vax, you just can show yeah. proof of not being sick. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, they give you that, you get a card when you're young, vac in your vaccination. And mm -hmm. it has like a on it. And I was going to originally like toss it. And then we had a little quick conversation. And we're like, we should hold on to these because things might go really south. This might just allow us to like live life. That's the, that's the scary thing. Cause yeah, yeah. I'm just on principle. I'm going to like, if that's the case, I'm just never going to be able to shop at the grocery again. I'll have to pay somebody else to do it for me or some yeah, bullshit. Exactly. You know? There's other ways. That's what I got mad. Everyone was like, stay at home. Like we missed such an economic opportunity to create a whole new class of people that were like getting paid as their job to go deliver goods to like autoimmune disorder. Mm -hmm. People can't go outside. And like, we, we just economically failed at that whole situation. Yeah. You know, in a yeah. nutshell, I think once we realized younger people, aren't at a huge risk it should have been like all right y'all like let's get back to work as much as possible and just focus on caring for the the vulnerable but all yeah. that aside all that all that aside we, we're here to talk homesteading and i want to know about alexia so yeah, yeah, yeah. what uh you know what do you do for a living alexia yeah so i actually got a marketing degree but i'm recruiting for my full-time job i also work at a grocery store for one day a week and that's actually where we met about four years ago uh tegan shortly or he moved to to utah shortly after ended up getting a job at that same grocery store so kind of exciting that we found love down the frozen aisle mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. this is a trader it Joe's, is kind of so. i mean i wasn't gonna say that but yeah <laughs> You guys were, you guys were, right. what, what do you call it at Trader Joe's? Isn't it like your shipmates together? Or something? Oh, yeah. 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 Everything's <laughs> nautical. Thing everything's right? nautical. They call you, what do they call you? Mate? What do they They're call you? Crew. Yeah, crew. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And the managers are mates and then the main manager is a captain. Yeah. Funny. But, and the merchants. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, recruiting full time. And then Tegan and I bought this house about two years ago. So it's been really exciting living a little bit more rurally. I mean, we do live in a suburb to some extent, but it does take us 15 minutes to get from our house to the nearest grocery store. So speeds. Yeah. Uh, so it's not that convenient. <laughs> well, and don't, don't you butt right up to public land. So you've got yeah, there's national yeah, exactly. forest right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a really smart way to do, you know, a lot of people like kind of fantasize about homesteading, obviously. And, and a lot of folks imagine just being out there by yourself, but it's really better if you can have good neighbors and it yeah. kind of, from what we've talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it sounds like you've got some good neighbors, right? Yeah. We've got yeah. some pretty good neighbors here. Yeah. It's like three that we're in association with that if anything ever it's the fan fully, I mean, this is definitely a, we're like the poorest people in this neighborhood. It's very ritzy. They call it estates. It has a gated community kind of thing. Mm. So, I mean, odds of someone getting in is still pretty low unless shit hits fan. But we have it set up so we can block down the road right here mm-hmm. and, and like totally not let people come in. And, you know, where all the deer pass through already. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, <laughs> last freezer. year was kind of fun because Tegan and I would go on hikes around the neighborhood almost every day. And when it was turkey hunting season, season turkey were coming into our yeah. neighborhood just because the yeah, they pressure they come into the neighborhood animals when they're pressured in the hunting season come out of the national forest into our neighborhood yeah. so, well shoot i mean would smart. any of your neighbors would any of your neighbors mind a shotgun you know being shot oh, yeah. they'd freak out yeah. i yeah. actually like, just telling on myself like you're not allowed to shoot any firearms in the neighborhood you can in shoot bows yeah. i like shoot my compound bow i haven't done it often because i say you could get an air rifle get an air rifle oh, yeah, that yeah. Yeah. I've had to do that because we have a bunch of like those ground squirrel kind of like groundhog things, basically mm. they're called pot And I have to shoot those all the time because they mess up the foundation. And I, I mean, mean they're, they're burrowing under our propane tanks, yeah. so we really have to be about it. Yeah. Did you say marmot? No, we have marmots too, but uh, they're like they're called pot guts. But they're like pot guts. They, huh? they look a lot like a squirrel without the tail. But they're ground they're horrible i mean the fleas carry the plague and they're they, cannibals yeah they cannibalize each other oh my goodness uh they're the gross they alike. take our insulation for yeah, the bedding of their insulation of our house yeah like, jeez it's bad for their they need to use leaves they're gonna like make their young be born blind all yeah. that fiberglass but so i mean it was also really good too because part of it was i just walked in here i was like there's way too, like we have an acre like a little over an acre I'm like, there's way too many pot guts in here so by calling them you watch the biodiversity increase in our yard they were yeah. over there wasn't enough hawks eating them and everything so. sure sure i was gonna say get yourself a dog or something right yeah, yeah. Well, so i've been training i've been training to show i don't know if you saw her, her name is you do have a dog yeah we do yeah. maple oh, come on cool. yeah but i trained her i shoot him and then she goes and finishes them off okay <laughs> yeah come on come see her. she's a little she's a mix of an australian shepherd and a lab so she's come like a tiny lab over here yeah. she looks like a chocolate lab mm-hmm. oh she's Oh, you got come on up. Say hi. Oh, look at that pooch. Yeah, Doc's chilling over in the in the in the couch next to me, but we'll have to get them together at some point. Oh yeah. Yes. She's a little bit yeah. of a jerk though, because she's not that socialized. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Well, yeah. he's kind of a jerk too. He he's oh, yeah. actually the same way. So maybe they'd get along, you know. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. good guard dogs that way. They'll let you know what it's right. I mean so, <laughs> Sorry, I was just gonna say we were watching something the other night oh, and she yeah. was asleep on the floor next to us and there was knocking on the door in one of the scenes and she just gets up and she's all oh, oh, yeah. someone's at the door, starts barking at nothing. She's going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, you guys are really like 
getting into the homesteading stuff is what it sounds like yeah. from my from my point of view. So that's what I was curious to like kind of ask you about. And you know, I guess I'd start by saying like, well, I'm curious what you guys consider yourselves politically. It it sucks that you almost have to do that these days. Yeah. Um, just to get like some context, I guess, as to where you're at. Um it's not to say we're on separate teams, but it's like, it's just people in this community usually fall into a couple of sort of different philosophies. We'll say you're either more sort of communistic or more individualistic a lot of times. So I'm curious sort of what you guys consider yourselves. Well, we're technically listed as unaffiliated in the state of Utah. Mm -hmm. So we are having, you know, we're doing our primaries right now so we don't get to pick anything we just got to vote we get to vote on we have a sitting on the table over there it's prop six for taxes for parks in the county that's okay. the only thing we need to decide on but um i see i mean i always say that if i had to label myself i don't even know if i'm going to use this right it's been a while since i read it but like it's like the anarchism that's slightly socialist like in the mm -hmm. most minimal sense like Mm -hmm. that's what i would label myself add to right now just based on reading a bunch of wikipedia government definitions <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sort of some people would call it maybe like a little c communist there's a lot of people that are anarcho-communists so you know you might look into that specific genre if you haven't read into that at all but that's probably right like i feel like if there needs to be government it's just the only needs they need to do is to like help some people if they really need but i know i have a lot of internal conflict with that too at the same mm -hmm. time especially with what we're going to get into with the self-alliance thing so mm -hmm. yeah like it's it's hard to say i don't know it's hard to identify the exact label well and i just say i'm moderate i feel like that's the most diplomatic thing i can say i really yeah. just don't give a shit about any any major parties or any label i feel mm -hmm. like that's really limiting myself and i like being open-minded i like listening to other perspectives yeah that's what mm -hmm. we debate about it a lot talk about just healthily and it's helped us, I think, flip-flop and figure out who we are politically. And I don't know, that is a big deal. I feel like it's bigger right now than normal. Like, people need to have that label. And I don't know, but we're still on the outskirts of it. Yeah, it's well, people are starting to learn that you can kind of define yourself with whatever words you choose. That's that's why I asked you guys, because I knew you'd have a more nuanced answer than, oh, I'm a Republican or, oh, I'm a Democrat. You know, it's like... Man. yeah dude it's it's just yeah. outdated you know it's just yeah. outdated so like in vanilla or chocolate ice cream like come yeah. on there's more in there that you like mm -hmm. that's what you do <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well cool yeah um so let's see here you know i was gonna i was kind of like curious to get to know your your path to this interest in homesteading first of all and like maybe the story of how you guys sort of committed to it obviously you bought a house you've you've got an acre and you're i mean can you tell us sort of roughly where you are you said utah yeah. but describe uh, the describe the ecology and the the setting a little bit yeah we live in like so we're up at eight thousand feet on a mountain um but we're kind of in a small little valley area where the water collects on that mountain so it's a little wetter here we get a, like a lot of understory bluebells but it's entirely an aspen forest right here mm. so, like, I mean, there's just so many aspen trees but larger picture we're kind of where uh, i know you'll know this more than maybe everyone's listening but the whole 
Wasatch Range, if you imagine that running this way of the Salt Lake, that's the one you see from Salt Lake, like the big one right there. And then there's the Uinta Range, which is like a uh, geological phenomenon. It's the only part of the uh, Rocky Mountains that runs east to west as a whole separate range. We're kind of where those meet in like an armpit, almost the foothills of the Uintas, which are the, those are the tallest mountains in um, Utah, and they run all the way to Colorado. But um, I mean, more specifically, I mean, it definitely works. New York on our neighborhood, there's not a lot of people who are really trying to do more of a homestead thing. There definitely are. There's definitely a few. A lot of them are really rich, like second homers. They don't even have a garden or anything going on. But um, I think we just saw like this, we get more water. It's a very dry state, obviously, but we get a lot more water. There's a lot more access. Uh, we don't have rain collection going yet. Generally, that would break our HOA, but I'm going to end up doing it. I'm going to just hide it behind the house. There's nothing. I'm going to collect all our gray water and try to, because it's a problem out here. Yeah, we're on a separate water system that's uh it's not entirely a well it's like the neighborhood came together and created its own separate water system that always gets the highest rate of water in the state because it's just pure mountain melt water but besides that the only utility that would keep us from being completely off the grid is our electric we're we're like on an electric system that's the same as the rest of the, the nearby town is called heber and we're on the same electric system as them but we've looked at getting our solar out here. Our house doesn't sit the best way, so it might need to be like a different installment within the yard. But the way our property sits, there's a big clearing by our carport. It gets a lot of sun. We have potential to do it. We just do you orient the carport to be the structure. I mean, yeah, I mean, so the carport, unfortunately, the way it's angled is north, and then the way our cabin is is facing east and west on the roof really and mm -hmm. it's pretty much an a-frame cabin so mm -hmm. uh, i wish there was more like a south facing side but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah nice growing and whatnot, but, yeah um you know it's funny i mean i would say like you almost want to start just getting yourself a generator as long as we have a power grid it's like that's pretty convenient pretty cheap um you know having a jenny will give you a little bit of peace of mind obviously yeah. solar like grid tied solar with battery backup is the cream of the crop what yeah. we all want eventually but that's a huge investment yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think we're able to do that at the moment too but yeah. i mean we got really lucky I mean, we're not super wealthy people by any means at all and uh if we had probably waited four just a few months, months we wouldn't have mm. been able to buy this house like mm down payment wouldn't have been enough like we got super lucky it was like the very end of us even looking we were decided we wanted a cabin and be more remote but right it's part of the reason we chose here is that there's hoa pays for snow being removed so since we're way up the mountain and not near roads <laughs> yeah 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 not even if you have i know i mean i've i've had to make the drive over some of those mountain passes in utah like in bad winter weather and you need to have those plows. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, down on 15 and not even just 15, I forget which highway it is, but some of the ones near Capitol Reef literally have been some of the craziest drives I've ever had in my life. Oh, dude. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 I think it's really Coming up good. over like Fish Lake. And uh, yeah. 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 I've had to literally just stop for hours. I'm like, <laughs> I just, I remember one time, man, I probably should have stopped, but thank God I was right behind a plow. So I had big flashing lights, which otherwise I couldn't have seen. Like they, yeah. they have all the reflectors on the side of the road, but you know, we're crawling. Even he's only going 20 miles an hour. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I changed my job. I was having to drive down. I don't know if you ever came in through 80 where it got, drops down in the, I could call it Parley's Canyon where it drops down into Salt Lake. It's dropped like 4,000 feet. 
And mm-hmm. I mean, we got pulled over. And the cops well, were like, you can't be driving. We're like, let's go to work, man. Like, well, and I'd like to add on to that situation too. We were in a caravan mm-hmm. because we would carpool, but when we get to Salt Lake, he would go north, I would go south and it didn't make sense. But yeah. uh, we got separated because there was such a whiteout and he was probably like half a mile, a mile in front of me. And the officer pulled me over and was just like, hey, just wanted to check in on you. Are you okay? This is a really intense situation. And it truly was. I couldn't even see the barrier of the Oh, yeah. The I didn't highway. know where I was on the highway. If it was bending, I could just go straight to the side. Yeah, absolutely. Those roads are pretty twisty. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. kind of crazy out here. I'm glad that we both get to stay at home now. Like, this winter's going to be really nice. I can be way more on top of, like, moving the snow out of the way and it's, oh yeah, that's a photo I sent you the other day with all that snow. That's already gone. It's there. Is one it? benefit of this high altitude. It, the sun melts it really fast. We're splitting more snow yesterday, but we didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's early. Yeah, it's early yeah. in winter. So. Yeah. I'm down to get a lot of snow this year, though. This summer was bad. But we're, it looks like El Nino is yeah. probably not going to let us have a good winter. Yeah, when there's an El Nino event, we don't tend to get as much, and we're supposed to get one. So this next summer is going to be really bad. And yeah. that always worries me with a lot of our neighbors because they're they come here to play on the mm. second homers and they I mean they're not putting spark arresters on their four wheelers or anything i mean all the power to them but like we all got to be paying attention as neighbors because this place is going to burn down if someone's parked yeah you got to be careful with that barbecue grill right like yeah don't be throwing your all this summer i just was like i'm not risking it like I'm yeah beautiful like i know i literally like no animals here like different moose and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah i would be devastated if i watched this place well, I would, I would say like, you know, living in a, in a place like that where you're up on the mountain, right? You have no choice but to be what some would call preppers. Like yeah. if you're going to live there full time, are are most of your neighbors full timers or is it some uh, vacation? Neighbors, yeah, I would immediate. Say so. Our immediate neighbors. Yeah. But what is the, I know it changed. It's like there's 1400 lots in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and I think 300 of them are full time. So okay. But that statistic owners. was also pre-COVID. No, that was that was post-COVID. Oh, it's was like it? 341 now. Yeah, oh, I sure. see. Okay. So mostly vacation homes that are empty all winter yeah. long. Yeah. yeah. But then with COVID, we saw a lot of people moving out here. And oh home. yeah, our town was the fifth most moved to. Sorry, that's what I say. But yeah, yeah, by the New York Times. Yeah, they released the where people moved during COVID. It was Heber City. And we technically we live in a consolidated area outside of that, but that's the nearest town to us. Sure, sure. I mean, that's why our home value just shot up shot it up, almost yeah. double what we bought it at unreal unreal yeah. two years. you're going to be able to afford the property tax or well it's that's going up thing. but yeah uh there's like a kind of a coalition that's kind of fighting any uh tax increases in our county right now because they're actually oh yeah i mean we need, i actually just found them last night i was just doing some research and i'm super excited i feel more excited to live here a little longer because i knew it was getting out of hand and they made a huge air like three years ago where they over budgeted like literally it was like 15 million for the school and they've been trying to sneak that back in each year and it's already like since it maximizes each year with the increase in tax it's like at a billion dollar like deficit they're trying to make up and they i mean we had to fight our council because they were trying to list us as a second home we ended up having there's no way legally we could get out of paying one year we paid as property taxes if we were a second home but which is higher i imagine oh yeah like way higher it's like double wow was like almost four thousand dollars or something like that. Um, yeah, like that's the You know, just just in terms of like politics, it's like those there are two taxes that bother me most. Mm-hmm. Property tax and income tax. Yeah. 
because it's taxing what's rightfully yours, right? Not a transaction, not, you know, it's not sales tax. It's not, it's completely involuntary. It's, you know, I'd say completely unjustifable, you know? Well, and then what about when you're making transactions with stocks? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm purchasing these stocks with my income and now the IRS is taxing me a second time when I sell stock. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's right at all. It's not set up for our success. It's set up for, yeah. That's why there's a lot of people in the motive right now that seem like very anti-capitalist. And I like want to sit them all down and be like, you don't actually live in a capitalist society. You live in one that's totally skewed in this crazy direction for a few individuals. Like pure pure capitalism would be way more in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's more of like an oligarchy um, with some like capitalistic... um, face paint on you know yeah, yeah that's why everyone uh, hates you like yeah of course you hate it but it's not it's not truly right. an system in here that's, it's a democracy that's my thing is that you know i call myself an anarcho-capitalist at least for now but at the same time like you know it's you sent me an article i feel like we should maybe touch on that because um it was really interesting and it was um basically talking about how we've misunderstood the story of sort of how we progressed as hunter gatherers into quote unquote civilized people. Right. And sort of that it was just sort of one step, uh, one step after the next. And that like, there was always, whenever there were civilizations, there was always hierarchy and rulers and this and that, but a lot of these archeological discoveries lately have sort of you know reinterpreted what what some of the early cities and city states might have been like so why don't you talk a little bit about that because honestly when i read that article man i was like that shit was dense first of all and i was a little (laughs) bit stoned and so i was like you know i was kind of sleepy like i was kind of half out of it but i read this article and i'm just like oh my god i can barely even digest this right now but tell us um tell us a little bit about it yeah yeah i mean i definitely it definitely went over my head in some areas too but it was like like i want to buy the book now like i'm sure it'll be a long read but what was the book called oh i put in my phone it was at least part of the name it was there's something human history is The dawn of everything. The dawn of everything. I knew it was something kind of like epic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's what drew me to read the article. I was like, wait, what is this? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even, I don't tend to do news of any kind. I just happen to open a new tab on my phone and it starts with those news articles. And that was just the one I saw and I just clicked it. I thought it was really interesting, but it's like, yeah, we've been kind of fed this whole, as if human history is very linear we just been this constant progress. And this is definitely something I've personally researched like in the past too. It's just like, that's such a false idea. I brought it up a lot. We've had conversations where, I mean, like one of the big things, like like the Me Too movement and stuff like that, like that's obviously huge as necessary, but that's not true to like label human history as always being this patriarch. I mean, you can find tons of examples of it. Like we, we try to view that linearly. I think it shows how much it's ingrained in our heads. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, men have always been this way. And it's like, no, that's just popped and reared its head up. I mean, it's happened a lot. It's definitely like it tends to be that way but 
there's plenty of times where it hasn't. The Vikings were completely equal society, like gender-wise. And I mean, that's just my go-to example. I know there's other ones, but. Um, well, and I think, I think that's a good example because weren't the Vikings fairly, I mean, did they have monarchies or, or no? I really well, don't I mean, know. It was more of like. They were more like tribal, a, right? Yeah, like a, like a druid might have had a slight elevation that you might seek them for advice, mm-hmm. but it was super, I mean, like anarchism. There's no. I, that's what I was getting at. I think it was yeah. sort of as close to an anarchistic society as we've seen. And they yeah. did have large settlements and whatnot. Um, I know there were examples in sort of like South southwest united states um some of these cliff cities you know very egalitarian like i don't believe there's any evidence that like any one dwelling was like better than the next you know they're all very like it's it was it seems to be on its surface anarcho-communism yeah we actually went and saw those we were reading about that we went to mesa verde in colorado last summer and uh yeah we were reading all about it, it was totally egalitarian i forgot about that yeah they were mm-hmm. and we yeah seeing those dwellings we I mean we want to walk through some of them it's there wasn't like some dude on a more elevated platform that had six stories while everyone had two that everybody it was like almost one house mm-hmm. yeah it was those are very interesting i think they're finding a lot more of those in america like the all of the americas like there's just a lot more of those like i think one of the examples in the article was somewhere in louisiana it was like a, i never knew that existed there was a city the size of or bigger than rome they were saying and like and existing at the exact same time period and just obviously no one knew about it from western society but um yeah it's only that was kind of like the head honcho of the south of the south of the united states and yeah, they described it, it was so interesting there's like that one part i even thought it was a society where it might have been a different one but it was somewhere in america where they had a split system it was like during the drought times they went off as like individual tribes and kind of you know it was decentralizing to deal with less water and then during the monsoon season they would all come back to that big city center and live together because it just worked better but everyone was still there was no because you're doing that there's no systems broken you know twice a year so it's not gonna be allowed to be bureaucratic not successfully at least so i'm pretty sure there was no dictator or president like assigning groups yeah it's more like just families uh, family units would break off, right? And maybe a couple family units would go off together or a handful, what have you. But, you know, um, it's an interesting thought because where I was, where you guys have, I, I, has Alexia been, have you been to um, Capitol Reef? No, I haven't. That's no. Cool. no. It's crazy. I've been, I've been like four or five times now. I brought my brother twice. Yeah. <laughs> I bring you. Yep. You, you got to get down there. You got to get down there. It's so cool. But the funny thing is, um, you know, the, the little valley where I lived when I worked out there, uh, where the where the park housing area currently sits, mm-hmm. nestled around, you know, inside of all these orchards. Yeah. This is a valley that has seen human habitation on and off for probably eight or nine thousand years, as far as we can tell. And um, since very, very early on, it has been sort of a agricultural center. Um, these, these irrigation canals that the Mormon pioneers sort of uh, discovered and revitalized that now feed these historic orchards a hundred, you know, some years later, 
um, they were already on site. They had already been crafted by human hands. And it's funny because the Mormon theology doesn't really allow for that, that historical fact. And so they had to declare it a gift from God because there was no room in the scripture for that kind of human history before them. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I'm so glad yeah. you told that story because I got really mad the other day because I happened to come across our government webpage for like water resources for the state. And then mm. literally when you go to the homepage, it has a paragraph saying how that irrigation was invented in the 1830s. Like it's this big Mormon pride thing. Like we invented irrigation, and I was like, me, like I know, like it's no. way longer. Than that. that is a bold-faced lie. Yeah, that's yeah. on our government page. Like we live in a theocracy. It's just, it's just truth. Utah <laughs> is a theocracy. I'm glad you said it. I almost didn't even want to go into the like Mormon realm because you guys probably, I mean, you work with okay. the Mormons, you live around Mormons, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, but. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah, we don't swing into that. We can. We can do a separate thing on that. There's a lot to say about that. She doesn't have rights to her own body in any sense. (laughs) We're not going to talk about it, but. Mm -hmm. very. Well, you know, every time just every time I listen to a podcast that has somebody from Utah as a guest, but they don't really talk about it. I always sit there in, in the back of my mind wondering, like. Are these guys Mormons or what? Yeah. <laughs> We're at the point now where the majority of the population here isn't. Yeah. But the majority of our government is. Hmm. Like we passed a complete recreational cannabis, just like Colorado. And it got, and now we are the strictest medical state. So I'm going to say it simply. Yeah. Uh, you have yeah. to have stage four cancer, epilepsy, AIDS. That's the only way you can get it. So, well, I said for a while that I figure Indiana and Utah might be the two last to go yeah. recreational, you know? Yeah. He is. Yeah. Someone used to say Alabama. I got this conversation with someone in college, and they'd always say Alabama. And I was just like, I think Indiana's like, I hadn't, wasn't considering Utah at that point because I'd never been there. But I was like, Indiana's probably going to hold out longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're already mm-hmm. surrounded. They've been surrounded by like at least medically legal states for years. And they're like, fuck that. We're not not quite here. surrounded. Kentucky still hasn't done oh, it. But oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm sure Kentucky's that one. But still. But you know what? The funny thing is, it's mostly because Kentucky has always been a serious producer of cannabis. So the the government has always been very anti-cannabis as a result. But at this point, it's like embrace it. It could be part of your economy. Like, hello, you know? Yeah, it's just, why not? I understand. It's so crazy to me in at least the way I've pictured parts of the United States that it has been legal for forever. I mean, if you really think of the history of cannabis, it's only been illegal for 80 years. Mm-hmm. Restitution history has been, I mean, it's deep in so many cultures. That's one human lifetime, you know, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's changed, I mean, because of that same time period matching up with the United States becoming global and everything spread that idea everywhere. I mean, it's crazy to me that like, like in India, there's two mm-hmm. days a year where weed basically is legal, even though it goes back 10,000 years in their culture. And it basically comes from that area. Mm. and yeah they can it's i forget the two it's like whatever holidays celebrate celebrates uh shiva and then some other one but you're allowed to you're allowed to be high that day but you're not allowed to the rest of the time not that yeah. they're still massive weed farms because they just don't like it's like humble county on steroids and the whole. right a lot of hashish out in, yeah, yeah out in india yeah <laughs> but, well it's funny you know it's like i almost think um indiana and 
in Kentucky, most people don't think of Southern Indiana when they think of Indiana, but there's a huge outlaw culture. There's always been this struggle between sort of the, the rebels, you know, moonshiners, pot growers, whatever, um, and the government agencies that enforce these rules. So, uh, you know, it's just funny to kind of watch it play out in the modern day. You know, I, I'm a tour guide on Saturdays and I talk all about moonshine and prohibition and the history of it and sort of the culture of moonshine. And it's, um, you know, it's anarchism versus authoritarianism, all every little bit of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If we ever come back, I want to do your tour. It's a good time, man. It's a good time. Yeah. I mostly like just crack jokes and feed you alcohol. So ride you around the woods on a, on an ATV or UTV people in your part of the country know the difference. You know, yeah, out here, in our neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> out here no, nobody knows what the hell an, a UTV is. So we call it, we call it an ATV tour. And it's funny because like, then everybody shows up and they say, Hey, you know, where's my quad? You know, oh, I thought I was going to drive. It's like, not nah, sorry, bud. I'm your driver. <laughs> you get to get drunk though. So, you know, yeah, just sit back, <laughs> sit back, relax and enjoy the show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You want to watch a bunch of drunk people on quads. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So that, that almost makes me think to ask this question, right? And I feel like we should maybe get into the like prepper kind of stuff, right? Because like we were saying, living where you're at, you have considerations. You you have to be prepared to get snowed in for potentially weeks on end. You guys sound like you're totally content to just stay home most of the winter anyways, out of convenience and you can work from home and all of that. Um, and you seem to like each other. Okay. Which helps. But you know, what, what are your prepper priorities? Um, you know, you mentioned some, we're talking about UTVs and stuff. I'm thinking about like four by four trucks. That's probably, you've got to have something with four wheel drive where you live. Yeah. Right? yeah. I've got a Ram that's got four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we go hunting we go like way deeper than anybody else because i just don't even have to use roads i just mm-hmm. go out there and then we set up our camp and not that we've been extremely successful but no but your truck fun. has gotten us out of some really <laughs> oh, crazy yeah. situations you just drive in areas that i'm always so proud of the, what that truck can do well four wheel yeah. drive makes a world of difference even yeah. if you're on street tires it makes a world of difference yeah Nuts. i mean she's got a super it's all wheel drive but and snow tires yeah and snow which tires. Is there you go yeah, this is sometimes where speed wise you can get around faster than me. I can plow straight through more, but your car kind of rides on the top of the snow. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We already yeah. mentioned uh, a generator. Do you guys have one or? No, that's no. on. That's like the next thing on our list. So. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I keep forgetting. I need to write that down right now. Stop well, you know, I almost feel like we're gonna title this episode like "Homesteading 101" or something because I kind of want to get the perspective similar to me um, where you're almost like at your beginning stages of getting this stuff figured out. And um, you know, the world we're in now, it kind of like lit a fire under all of us to get it done. Like, because who knows how long the grocery stores will be full or blah, blah, blah. And um, geez, hang on just a second. I'm having a little trouble. My computer's being a little wacky. Shouldn't let it interrupt my thought pattern though. Um, so 
anyways, like beyond the generator, the truck, uh, what are some of your other kind of priorities? So I think the biggest one we've been trying to do is just be better at like our biggest checklist recently in the past couple of years is hunting and foraging. And I feel like this past year we've gotten a lot better. So, so far, the only big game antelope we got was her tag and she got an antelope and an antelope's a little smaller than a deer, but we made that last almost exactly a year. Wow. So we had that. Well, so we, since we didn't get any deer on our deer hunt, um, we bought half of a longhorn steer and I literally met someone with, it was just uh, gutted, head cut off, still skin. And we were hung it up and literally sawzalled it in half. Brought mm. home. Like, I mean, we processed it. I got a grinder, I make sausage. All of that stuff is like probably where we have our best knowledge. In terms of supplying food is probably our best. Because even if we have issues with our garden per se, like, so while we were off in Vermont, I, I lost about 75 tomatoes. Mm. We got that snow. And it yeah. But I'm gonna we're I'm building a greenhouse or either that or we'll buy one I can build onto kind of like structure. But um yeah, next year we're definitely gonna have that. I think it's gonna help a lot. I've really been wanting one of those for years and years. And greenhouses are awesome, especially here. I mean, it is nice because I know where we live, even though we're at eight thousand feet. Like if you think of like the temperatures that you're getting in Indiana, like we never get as cold. Like I I oh, it's actually seen. quite comfortable. It's quite nice. You just get more extreme snow, like falls, you know, yeah. heavy, heavy snow. Yeah. And, um, and the that. roads are just more treacherous. Like we have plenty yeah. of winter weather in, in the Midwest, obviously like, you know, Chicago gets nailed every year, but it's relatively yeah. flat with relatively straight roads, yeah. which makes a whole difference. You know, it always cracks me up every winter. You see these, um, these viral videos of just these these roads with a hill and uh, you know cars just crashing into each other one after another after another it's like yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's midwesterners I, i'm always convinced that that's a midwestern town with one big hill in town <laughs> and people who don't know how to drive in winter or like you know and it's just a really bad day you know but that's besides yeah, right. the point. Yeah. So, so you guys focus on your meat. You've, you've kind yeah. of started with meat procurement and processing yeah. by, by way of hunting and, and processing your own kills. Yeah, sure. yeah. We've got a lot of trout. A lot of our success so far though, is kind of entering the local community of doing this mm. trading, basically bartering. And there's an old man that is just has his whole life centered around fishing he also is an archer, a professional archer. He's actually, I worked at the sportsman's in town during most of COVID and I was in charge of archery and he taught me everything. And um, I mean, that's been a huge, so like ammo can go to shit. I can totally deconstruct, rebuild a bow, like do all, still have a way to like hunt. And like, I, I didn't even realize while doing that, how huge that would be. It's mm -hmm. like a huge, like I've got all this stuff that I can restring it. I even know if I can, I could use fibers out here from different trees to make a string that wouldn't last very long, but mm -hmm. still. But I mean, he also catches a ton of fish. He's got a boat. We don't have a boat yet. That's how a really easy way to be successful with trout. It's just, you know, get in a deep lake, knowing right where they're sitting, drop mm -hmm. some bait out there. Well, so, in Utah lakes are mostly trout, so shore fishing isn't very successful. Yeah, which is all we usually yeah. in my experience. I did <clears throat> excuse me. I am getting stoned over here. I hope you guys I know you don't mind. What am I I'm, what am I talking about? You're not going to mind. And I <laughs> yeah. hope I hope none of the listeners mind. If you do mind, 
you shouldn't listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> well, so 40 episodes in. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but um, yeah, fishing is a whole thing. And, and when I was out in Utah, I had a fly rod and mm-hmm. I was really hoping to catch some big trout you know, yeah. while I was there. And you have better luck in the streams catching the big ones with a fly rod than you do trying to catch from shore. Um, like if you're, if you're just shore fishing, you know, I did a little bit of that and you're always catching the little six inch guys, you know, cause they're yeah. the ones in that shallow, shallow water. But anywho, um, I really don't know a whole lot about fishing or hunting, but I've done a little bit of both. Yeah. And it sounds like maybe we're the inverse of each other in that regard. Like I've focused on vegetables and um you've focused on hunting and, and yeah. processing meat but we both like do both so to yeah. speak yeah um in fact no, we could I, definitely teach each other a lot because yeah us doing the permaculture thing i know you've been doing that for years so and i mean a year-long course right now it's super laid back though and mm-hmm. like, i'd not have to take two more courses to get certified afterwards in that program but yeah but yeah i but, mostly do all that at this point i don't care about the degrees or certifications i mean maybe i should do a certification if i ever wanted to do you know similar like what you're doing easy peasy out here or something like that but because i've definitely have who i am individually i don't like being i like being my boss <laughs> i don't like having people be in charge of me i don't do very well with that i never have well maybe you can get an easy peasy certification in like oh, yeah? the not too distant future that's actually part of what i'm envisioning for okay for this platform I want to develop. I don't know how much we got a chance to talk about it, but I didn't know you were going to do anything like that. Yeah. I got, all I've known is that you're been building like permaculture gardens and teaching people about it. And that was so, mostly when I was on Instagram still. So what I really want to develop is a platform more or less like a, a social network for homesteading and for gardening and for, you know, um, a food and gardening centric social network. And a big part of that being like people trading and bartering with their surplus um, organization of food buying clubs and cooperatives and, um, you know, direct sort of directories of local food producers. Um, I'm almost thinking about membership only access to local foods as being like, a potential part of this structure, but at its core, my idea is to basically stay out of everybody else's business, but allow like create the space for the business online. Um, So not take any, any kind of percentage or cut of any transactions, but like create the um, software that people could exchange Bitcoin on the site or whatever for goods and services like create that space but you know monetizing it obviously i got to figure that out but it's part of my anarchistic principles is like you know maybe i do deserve something for providing that space but i think i think i can monetize with advertising or membership fees exclusively right and have that be a part of the you know the um the message and the mission is like promoting this idea of like, mind your P's and Q's, stay out of each other's business. Like this is a very private space where it's, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to, to do business in the space. Yeah. You know, I don't want to just replicate sales tax and property tax and like, no, just like, 
Maybe it's a membership. It's just a membership thing. You know, I think it's just a membership thing, but what I also want to come up with is some kind of design portal where people can design, do their permaculture design, do their garden design and submit it for local installers to then bid on the projects. Right. And like all kinds of, you know, I kind of have like four or five main functions that I imagine for this platform, but the whole idea is to build community more or less and enable like people to do business and cooperative endeavors, um, you know, organize your local community garden, you know, and this and that. But uh, it's like, I would love to have easy peasy university as part of that, where we're teaching permaculture online through videos and there's courses and there's certifications and there's badges that you can earn that say like, you know, I have a, I have a silver badge in orchard management, you know, stuff like that. Like, I think that's legit. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> I think idea. that's a really good idea. And the so, way you're giving it more like framework wise, I think draws the ton of people. So like gardener, homestead, prepping type people, permaculture, almost as much as we like like to talk about community, we're all very individualistic in a lot of ways and turn away from social media and stuff like that. But if you present it right, uh, this isn't going to be like, you're not going to log in and just be plastered with BS. Like when you get on Facebook, it's just going to be what you want it to be. And I think that's going to draw them way better. No, I almost think there'll be like the five promises of easy peasy. Like number one, your information is private. Like on a, software level we are not collecting any information about you you know information to somebody else yeah yeah and like number two like we promote the idea of voluntary exchange um, goods and services alike and and we respect that you know you have the right to do business on your own terms and in your own you know, way or whatever, like you can do business for cash and still use our platform, or you can use the Bitcoin option, or you can use PayPal or whatever, whatever you want, you know, like we don't care. Uh, you know, number three, like it's all about food and community, right? That's really all anyone needs. And I'm just winging it here, but maybe I want to keep going. Number four, it's like, you know, um, philanthropy, Philanthropy is best, but take care of your own house first, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's a really good message that people need. And I guess I I said five, we need one more. Help me out. Help me out. What's number five. Little Bill and Ted, like be excellent to each other. Yeah. Yeah, Build that community. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, like, so your whole idea just in itself is technically, most people that even do permaculture, I feel like don't, in my classes, obviously I'm very new to this. It sounds like we don't even really do it fully. We like garden ourselves, but like really permaculture is a whole like decentralized way of viewing the world. It's a literally designed for everything, everything. Mm-hmm. And so it would require some sort of like, if we're going to be in the modern age, there needs to be a social media platform based that that is all spread through. And there needs to be more of a community. Cause I mean, we're supposed to be teaching others. Like one of my homework questions the other day was like, how would you use your land to just teach around your community and stuff? And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I have to maybe get in touch with the school and have kids come check it out. Somewhere you spread Easier than that almost might just be to like get on next door and, and make a post and say, um, 
you know, Hey, I'm hosting a, I'm hosting a deer processing workshop. You know, God forbid, God forbid, is that against HOA policy? I mean, can you do that on? Yeah. Our HOA like sucks in a lot of ways that they take a lot of money, but they're pretty like, they have rules and nobody has to follow them. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of like, I think with next door, nobody can see exactly where you live. Right. Mm. Yeah. There's some degree of anonymity to it. Yeah, I know next door is good at that, but our neighborhood is using the town square. I know you can mm. get in there. You can choose to hide your actual address, but I know a lot of people are on there with their actual address from what I've seen. And that, you know, but, I'd probably I'd probably hide my address, make the yeah. post. Anybody that responds positively, like give them your address. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and no, say and yeah, you know, like say it's horrible. it's you know, fifty bucks recommended donation. Keep that language in there. Recommended yeah. donation. Because then it's like, you're not operating a business out of your house or anything like that. I don't know. You got to guard your tail a little bit legally, but like, I don't see why you couldn't do it. You have some space from your neighbors. Nobody's going to be in direct eye line of what you're doing. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, even if, so there's like one neighborhood that is like right here and he could tell me see a lot, but all that he was like, my shed is behind me. My shed would block everything. Maybe I'll see it. And they don't live there right now. They're one of those houses that got bought by all the realty companies. They're there one like it was bought for like nine hundred thousand dollars, and people have just been fixing it up for like Zillow or something recently, and they're probably yeah. gonna sell it for one five or something. But also, don't forget that Heber does have those same ideals. People here yeah, do yeah. hunt. They do yeah. fish. That so yeah. I really the culture is on your side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and I think it could be popular. People yeah. would be excited about having that accessible, that kind of course. It's less now. We're gonna get more like uh, word for like heads budding soon because that is true. We do have yeah. a lot of people from California, yeah, Oregon. Just moved in and yeah. You can see it already on our. Like I don't have a man, Facebook, but whenever I go on, like our neighborhood has a Facebook page and it's so toxic. <laughs> I <laughs> bet, man. I hear the same thing from like people in Texas. They're like. These yeah. motherfuckers, yeah. they're bringing those problems with them. You know, they yeah. don't even know and they're fleeing. He came out and said, Hey, like, welcome to Texas. By all means, come over here from California, but leave your shit in California. Do not bring that here. Yeah. That dude is definitely going to run for president. Like, I no hope doubt. so. He's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how I feel about it exactly. It's yeah. so funny because everybody lately is like, telling me i got a mcconaughey vibe on my tours these drunk these drunk people show up and i'm like being really you know gregarious and silly and shit and um they're all like hey hey do that one line that matt mcconaughey does and i'm like i know every time which one they're talking about all right all right all right right. (laughs) (laughs) but but at the same time, it's like, can I actually trust that guy or is he just being a politician? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I yeah, think but- he seems like a genuinely good dude. I would trust Joe Rogan more. Yeah, I would definitely trust him more. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of person we actually need. As much as people tend to try to not like him or find any reason to mm-hmm. not like him, he's just like as neutral as you could be. Like, well, I'm like, best I'm- smart people. I'm like not going to put any faith in anybody like becoming president and like changing anything, you know, I just don't think it's going to happen, but like theoretically it's funny to joke about it. It's like, you know, I remember saying at one point it's like Matt McConaughey with his running mate, 
Snoop Dogg, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Nelson is like, is like, uh, whatever, sec- Secretary of State, you know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> just for the idea of just how that sounds i'm down already yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like politically irresponsible but <laughs> i don't know man like i i think it'd be better if just nothing gets done they all hang out and smoke weed and like and promote like that's the thing is we need executive like leaders um if anything that can just tell people to like not trust the government but how is that ever going to happen you know who gets yeah. elected saying that Except maybe a guy like Joe Rogan, you know, the guy's getting a lot of people, you know, talking. Yeah. Which, but, oh, yeah. You drinking his wine or what is that? Cali Rose. Funny. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Well, so the brand is 19 Crimes. Oh, it's 19. Well, yeah, it's his name, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I mean, he, has some, he probably just got his name on it. It's some sort of proceeds. Oh, I bet you he didn't press the grapes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> If he was, he watched other people do it while he was smoking blunts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it good? Oh, it's it actually is actually pretty, pretty tasty. Very, it doesn't have that much of a bite. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, just very smooth. Very juice. I don't drink wine very, very often, juice. So. Very juice. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny. It's a sweet wine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. Support Snoop. He turned fifty. Yeah. Like he turned fifty like two days ago. Yeah, I remember some some podcast I listened to. Oh, the <laughs> Happy birthday, oh. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> well you know i know i have more questions for you let's see here well we you know they're kind of silly they're, the questions just seem silly in hindsight but it's like oh here's an interesting one like how do your families feel about your choice of lifestyle are they similar are they interested in what you're doing are they know know. everything and i think we've stopped telling them as soon as they found out about hunting well (laughs) wait wait wait. start over because i was talking i was talking over you at first so actually we started seeing a lot of pushback when we were first looking for a house people were telling us that we were thinking about buying a little bit too rurally something we weren't comfortable with something we didn't have any skills for which made me mad at that point yeah i mean this is really business this is people in your family saying this stuff yeah Yeah. immediate family and i understand like you're going to be a little concerned and it was our first house but so throw it back in their face because they all were like you guys are being fools buying this house and i'm like literally it's the best financial decision i've ever made we could like, move out we could move out tomorrow and we yeah. would have cashed out yeah Actually, yeah we could literally though. go buy like a hundred acres we already looked at this in new mexico we could literally buy a hundred acres on another different cabin and have our own thing so right well yeah. and maybe you know maybe you could maybe you should you know yeah. shit so we, we have do talked least, about it we refinance wow. so we want to do at least another two and a half years yeah here so we can at least recomp, break even but yeah so we did get a little bit pushback on that. And then when we started discussing more of our lifestyle choices to our families, at least with mine, unfortunately, we started receiving some pretty insulting remarks. Yeah, they so, love to like take a dig, every, even though they've all like eaten the antelope. And they, and they like the antelope. They're, yeah. they're excited about the idea that we're able to provide. Yeah. But in the end, we're murderers. And Seriously. that, wow. that is what says we've been it the called. most is a fisherman that kills and eats his fish all the time. 
and I'm like, you. Are I mean, so he's close joking minded. a bit. Yeah, he's he likes to tease people a lot. So, yeah, which it kind somehow of though, people often people often make this this like arbitrary distinction though between like I guess cold blooded and warm blooded species. Mm-hmm. You so know, three they called right. it any like people we tend to be drawn to the charismatic megafauna, and mm. it's like there's nearly no difference in terms of consumption as long as it's not send them into extinction which is if you read into how it's done in the united states it does the exact opposite it's very highly tied to conservation oh there wouldn't there wouldn't have been a conservation movement i mean unfortunately it was because we got close to doing a lot of damage and we i mean we did do a lot of damage Um, oh yeah that's but but that hunting ethic is no what we're near what's like now yeah i mean a lot of people think like the government came in and like saved nature um but the truth is conservation clubs were like well in advance of that yeah you know and uh you know they were the ones that lobbied to the government for for, you know public lands but it's um you didn't get you didn't get that chicken without the egg in in that situation you know it was a it was a movement of you know sort of just people just individuals that wanted to be able to continue hunting more or less you know yeah i mean now it's i mean it not only saved multiple of those populations but most of, those, most of them are more robust than they used to be i mean and that definitely has some sort of environmental effect like turkeys live in more turkeys didn't live everywhere and they're in every state now so, yeah same with coyotes but you yeah. know i would say that it's not necessarily a bad thing you know no i think we need more of those big predators like Mm-hmm. I wish people were more okay with grizzly bears being in their backyard. I understand the danger of it, but that's mm-hmm. a reality of life and the whole ecosystem's way more healthy. Like I remember being a little on edge when we first moved here, like I'm going to run into a mountain lion and this is going to mm-hmm. be bad. The only bad in our animal interaction that I've had where I almost had to draw a gun on them was a mother moose that actually got in between her and her baby. Mm-hmm. I've never even seen a mountain lion here. Yeah. Like, you did know, you I see, know there was a video, um, you know, I think it came out like a year ago, but it's it's pretty viral of this guy getting kind of in the Provo yeah, Canyon. Yeah, he, I, I was I wouldn't call it a chase. You know, it was a standoff. Yeah. He got he got um, it was a territory. Well, she was protecting her cubs. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the right word. It was um, an, an encounter. Like a bluff yeah. charge kind of thing. She was, was never. Gonna it was a bluff. It was a charge. It was not a charge, but it was. A, yeah, it wasn't a charge. Bluff stance. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like a, a warning behavior, yeah. and he handled himself really well. Yeah, I'd say he, you know he stayed pretty damn calm. Yeah, he didn't turn and run, which triggers yeah. the cat's reflex to chase, yeah. and at that point you're done. Yeah, because then it, it it won't stop. <laughs> You know, um, but he he basically said like no, like no, and he kept walking backwards slowly, and he said like you're not gonna do this. It's you know he's like doing meta, you know Jedi mind tricks. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he did a good job. This cat comes at him like you know, yeah, and, and he goes fuck you, no. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what I did with that moose. I was like, yo, no. I, I kept yeah, yelling. Yeah. I, actually, it's very similar to what I did. Yeah. I'm yeah. not trying to toot my own horn, but I was like, your baby's down there. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't I, take I your baby. I, I like, mean, you, I mean you no harm. I mean you yeah. no harm. Yeah. You can communicate with, with animals, you know? Yeah. She was yeah. weird. I mean, I, I got lucky. A four-wheeler came by and scared her off. 
but I've seen that mountain lions actually their their favor is like kind of in dispute these days, you know, because they're not quite as rare as they once were. But we need apex predators like we do. Yeah, yeah. I think people. I mean, what they there's that classic story of Yellowstone and the wolves and the elk, and the more we learn that well, that species wouldn't be around. Oh, I mean, everybody at this point I feel like has some grasp of knowing that nature is simply just balance, like perfect balance all the time. Mm. You remove one species out of it, it's automatically going to have a, an issue for something. Mm-hmm. Like, and then overall, the earth will bounce itself back out in the end. But mm-hmm. in or, the meantime, what about our yard, though? Yeah, so, with yard. the pot guts, yeah. as Tegan was really getting down on the population of the pot guts, we started seeing more chipmunks. Yeah, we never even we had chipmunks. More so they, field mice. Was, yeah, mice, moles, voles. They're not so so destructive um no, I'd no. much rather have them here mm-hmm. the, the are horrible they're such little dicks yeah. usually usually if you see a a abundance of one thing in one area not being kept in check you know and there's nothing else that's that's not a good sign yeah you know? no, and that's why tegan had t- to take it into his own hands well that's too bad it's too bad that your your family doesn't see the um merits of what y'all are doing because to me it's super obvious and i think there is like this weird uh disconnect with a lot of folks um who just they've gotten so separate from nature in like a psychological and spiritual kind of way that they see people going back as being like the foolish ones or the um you know the uh dreamers or whatever but it's like y'all are the realists you know you have a source of meat out your back door hell you could you could shoot those little fuckers and eat them if you had to right i mean not because we had to but we ate twice yeah well did you stew it because that's how i always did my squirrels and that's it's not bad yeah we kind of well we so we actually looked up this crazy belgium uh it was dates yeah dates like it was a belgium date squirrel recipe where we was use ground squirrel instead yeah and like it was kind of fancy but it was good but it was kind of like it kind of was all stewed together but i just dude the best i ever had and it was good with squirrel was um i just took my dutch oven threw some potatoes and carrots and a couple cloves of garlic and some i don't know celery and and I made a stew and I just let it cook for like six, you know, six or seven hours and uh, left great. it on the wood stove all day long. And hell, actually, I made such a big batch. It was two squirrels in there. <laughs> I got a pretty good sized Dutch oven and uh, and I just let it sit on there for like a couple days straight. You know, I don't know if the FDA and the USDA would approve of that kind of treatment of of meat, but like that, you know, it's like I'd take it on the, you know, I'd take it off the stove when I was getting ready to eat it or a little ways ahead of time, I'd pull the little um, circle, the little disc out of the top of the stove. So I got direct heat. I'd bring that sucker up to another, you know, rolling boil and I'd just pull it back off and ladle myself a bowl and call it good. You know, hey, boil it, you're fine. Yeah. I've done that with plenty of things. Like yeah. sometimes with the wild game, cause it cooks really fast. If I do a roast, I don't, I don't cook it very long. Cause then I know later it's going to be reheated and microwaved and all that. So if, probably not meeting any sort of FDA stuff there, but it's better that way. Plus slow cooking wild game is the way to do it. Mm. Get rid of all that uh, 
gaminess. Well, the gaminess, and then you just kind of break down the tissues better at that slow cook. And oh, you've made some tender antelope. Yeah, best cuts we've had. And then part so part of it to me is is like change in hunting ethics right now. And a lot of it came from my perspective during 2020, and a lot of it's coming from our generation, where it's being done through an even more ethical stance of like I'm going to provide my food, but I want it to be something that it's almost a similar thought process like veganism. Like I don't want something that's tortured. I want something that had a whole life. Like I can go out there and pick the older animal. I study biology enough. I know how to do that, which is exactly yeah. what we do. And um, I mean, in the end, it's becoming this almost like noble thing to do. I, I say it, I, I say it is the most noble thing. Yeah. Aside from like directly caring for, you know, like, whatever the most noble things quite a statement but as far as like in terms of food decisions okay they call it clean carnivore clean carnivore right and it's not necessarily strictly wild game but it's wild game and ethically treated you know like at the pinnacle of that definition that was our steer. Um, steer yeah exactly exactly like healthy healthy animal tissues steer is like an elk yeah. it's like purple meat it's totally like a wild animal there's no fat at all mm-hmm. and actually we had to go to our nearest kroger a few times we were yeah. making hamburgers just yeah, to, have to get fat get some cows. fat <laughs> yeah we have to add fat to yeah. the antelope <laughs> it won't stay together like you have it to get well, so you know it's interesting because you know just to keep it on on the topic of always having um preps and always looking for sources of the things that you can't produce for yourself. You know, so you just said you're buying, you're buying fat at Kroger. Yeah. yeah. So what happens if you can't do that? You know, where are you going to go? You got a plan? There's going to be probably just less fat in our diet. No, but I, you know, dude, I think that's a, we're starting to realize how bad carbs are. No, you're right. Fat is not as bad. And you need fat. You need fat. Like just look back in our history as far as like how people, you know, okay. Just for example, like frontier America, you know, I sent you this meme uh, that I made earlier using that little clip of Jeremiah Johnson, right. Played by Robert Redford. And we were joking, you know, I told you, it's like, apparently that meme is famous because people think that's Zach Galifianakis. And it's like, yeah, I bet you that's all people weird. under the age of about, you know, 20 years yeah. old. But we're probably you know, weird for our age to even know Robert Redford that well. But. I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, but it's just funny. Anywho, um, you know, the meme was basically in regards to like homesteading principles, right? Like, and sure. I knew, I knew, I knew you guys would like it. So I sent it to Tegan and, and, um, and, but this movie, it got us talking about the movie Jeremiah Johnson and, people basically who lived as frontiers people right and this is this is more or less how you know it's it's not a true story but it could be you know it's kind of like um, it's kind of like that movie with um leonardo dicaprio what's it called oh uh, the revenant that's it that's it the revenant you know, same era, same setting, so to speak. And you said that that, that movie was shot in the area you guys live. Yeah. Yeah, that's somewhere you could, my favorite mountain over here is this one that's really obvious. It's, it shoots way above the tree line. It's just a bunch of rockiness, really horizontal lines. Kind of looks like the wall from Game of Thrones. It's really cool. It's probably like kind of like Swiss Alps. I actually call the town up against it. 
uh, little Switzerland. Uh, but um, you could see that in the background of some of the shots. There's a shot where he's after an elk, and I'm actually pretty mm. sure they really shoot that elk because mm. it's before all those those little regulations for Hollywood were in existence. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they really shot that elk in, the, in that scene. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah, they might have. They might have. They might have like gone along with some real hunters and just got that shot. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would have been probably an elk off a farm. I'm assuming. Mm. So. And actually, since working at Sportsman's, dealing with always some kind of your standard like backwoods dudes from like the Western perspective, they'll tell me they'll go on his Sundance property because it's so big and get elk that are huge. <laughs> just take them off the property. They'll hike them over the fence and everything. Jesus. I was like, you shouldn't be telling me this. But. No, that, yeah. Who's going to admit that? It sounds like, is that guy full of shit? Maybe that guy's full of shit. He could be full could of shit. Be. I've had a, few, a lot of guys that are full of shit. I, you know, it's, to go in the back room and get ammo in the shorters. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was insane. No, you can't go back there. And she I have a gun. You have people <laughs> lining up and basically harassing you on Tuesdays because that's when they would get their ammo shipments. Yeah. Some, some days when it was peak bad, we wouldn't get any ammo. And that was awesome to have that connection. And I still have all those connections. So if things get bad again, I can. I was going to say, did you mention that yet? Because I, I almost forgot that you worked at a gun store. Did you say that? Uh, I think I just brought yeah, up with the, with the old guy. Because I met the old guy. Because I was in charge of archery there. That's where that was mm-hmm. happening. But I ended up basically being pseudo in charge of archery and uh, the gun section. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just need a lot of help. And so you know we've got we've got our rolling list of, of priorities and items, right? We've talked about. You know, probably need to get a Jenny, right? You've got, you've, you know what though? You did a big move. You got yourself some shelter in a naturally sort of abundant sort of eco space, right? Where you can hunt and you can garden. We've got yeah. so many, like I've learned now it's it sucked because I had all this Midwestern knowledge of foraging and I had to like almost throw that out the window. Throw it out the window. Crazy. Yeah. There's not, not as much out there as far as that goes, but there's stuff. There is stuff. Yeah. Oh, she just came home. So Derek, the week before we came out of Vermont, yeah, it was a week or two weeks, two weeks before. A week. A week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a week. Derek was here, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were there, she went out and walked the dog one time. She came back with a two-pound puff ball, and we just ate that, it like, every amazing. morning. So, nice, nice, yeah, nice. So you got you got some mushrooms. You've got pinion yeah. pine. I actually have my nice. own mushroom garden. I grow my oysters out of it, and uh, I actually added some puff ball spores from the one I found that was already scoring, but... Um, and then hopefully eventually we can get some turkey tail and there some lion's mane yeah. do you guys have many uh, pinion pines growing around you or is that not a ton you, no. i can get them in the national forest i've seen a few mm-hmm. but because when those are loaded man if you go spend some time collecting pine nuts that's a good source of natural fat i love oh, there pine you nuts yeah. you know okay so you know i want to kind of like keep this list like you know like we said you need, you need shelter you need power you need fuel for your internal furnace and in, in terms of food a lot of people like think they're just going to survive on like lean protein sources like antelope and stuff but i was trying to get it like fat is a big part of it so you can forage for pine nuts you you know but like ideally you'll know somebody who shit man no it is the it is the hardest that's why i brought up jeremiah johnson was like they don't address it in the movie movie, but like I've read enough and I know enough about that sort of thing where fat was the main resource that you needed to get by, you know? So, you know, they, they had that scene in the movie where he he shoots the bear and how that's kind of like a turning point, 
you know, he meets that crazy guy and he, you know, the guy leads the bear into the cabin and, you know, he's like skin that, uh, what's he called? The guy pilgrim skin pilgrim. And, uh, you know, he has to kill the bear. They don't even show it, but it's like, that's a turning point as far as his fate goes. And that's a common, um, thread or a common theme in sort of frontier lore is like when you kill that bear, like that is, it's a spiritual moment because that, that bear fat's going to take care of you for the entire winter. It was all about the fat and the hide, you know, the hide would keep you warm and the fat would keep you alive. Right. You know, and Egan actually did when he skinned. I've been taught myself how to tan and use hide. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't do that good of a job, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you favorite. keep it more did you keep it more or less in one piece i mean yeah, yeah it's sure. one piece yeah and that's impressive i just too. i, I actually i made a major mistake it was about this time last year and so i did a big soak with it with uh i forget the, what was the chemicals are going at is that one spice that you use it's like so lots of salt and then some of it a uh some spice but yeah i had it in the jug and that was like the day i did that was the day that we committed to winter environmentally mm-hmm. so that whole thing froze and i could not get it It was a giant cleaner i couldn't get it thawed until so, like april yeah like so it was like six months frozen so that kind of ruined it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's okay it still looks pretty sweet well it makes me think okay it makes me think then we haven't discussed like water are you you're on city water right um, no well it's, well it's weird that way so maybe nicely i don't well that would be way more secure that is against uh, hoa though yeah so hoa has written that and there is the name is called timberlakes and it has its own timberlakes separate from the hoa um what are they called timberlakes special water district or something like that yeah and it's like super high quality water because like we're getting the snow melt like what goes into people's bottled waters you know, buy the store they some of the highest quality and oh, yeah. you tested it a few months ago well i just i looked up the government website and went to the test page and i used to do that as a job in indiana just looking at water quality are you are you uphill gravity fed through this system or i'm sure it's power yeah. dependent right there's definitely going to be some sort of pumps that would definitely go out so because of that we live i mean so preferably if it's the winter time which is like half the year here we have a lot of snow we can like melt down mm-hmm. that's like the greatest source but that's you know still something there mm-hmm. but um we, we have a stream have be careful our, with that though because of the pollution yeah. we are really susceptible to more inversion because of the yeah that's true do you yeah. have uh do you have a filter that's yeah. Okay. yeah we do have a filter we have a, a good lot. one do you have a berkey no. no so this is like it's well okay i need to look it up it's i know the filter itself the actual mechanism of the filter is a really high quality brand uh-huh. I, I, I should do more research but it's built into like basically two five gallon buckets that like drop into each other yeah so well, like, hey. i built it actually accidentally sent it to us and we like researched it and he was sending them out for free it was actually like a super weird Christian cult, but uh, dude, actually, you probably have Berkey filter elements. I bet because it's it looks. I saw it and I opened it up and was like, "Okay, hey, I don't need to buy a water filter." Like, yeah. No, it's a, it's it's a good setup. Um, a lot of people build them out of five gallon buckets to save money, but you know, food they got to be food grade buckets if you're gonna do that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, no, they are. It's not actually a five gallon bucket. It's just it's an actual food graded. Like it's probably a three gallon bucket. It's just like similar to that but it's got all the labels inside it has like the yeah but you know these berkeys it's basically the same exact setup grab gravity fed two chambers right is that what you're describing Mm -hmm. 
and you pour it in the top and it goes through the filter element and it comes out the bottom and, and it's clean. And so that's good that you've got that because you could, you could in a pinch, just go get water out of the Creek. You wouldn't have to work about it. Yeah. What do you call it? It's a melt stream. It didn't even run last year. So that's why I was like, can't rely on that Mm. yard, but I know where the main feeding river is and it's right there. So that river's even as bad as the drought was last year. I mean, it was always flowing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big river. It's like probably 30 feet across. So, but you said something about you're thinking about getting some water storage options. Is that right? Yeah. I actually have that in our list of our to buy things is a, I forget the brand. They're like those blocks that are built that sit really, they sit really. Uh, IBC, IBC totes. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you can get, usually you can get a good one. You want to kind of like make sure that it didn't have anything harmful in it because they're used often to move chemicals. I, I got really lucky and found a guy who lives nearby. And of course I'm taking his word on pretty much what, what he's selling me. Although I do, I do remember one of them I got, it had a sticker on it and he left that sticker on to show it had a hundred percent agave syrup, organic agave syrup. Even, even if it wasn't organic, that was just like a plus, but that was a hundred dollar IBC tote. You know, it's 275 gallons, I believe. Actually, they might be 325. There's kind of the standard cube and they go down from that. Um, But yeah. They're the best for like sort of getting it set up quick and, you know, having, you know, some, you know, a couple hundred gallons of water in a pinch. That's a lot. That's a lot. But it, at the same time, so you think in rain catchment or just, um, yeah, I want to just do that. Just even if that's what I use it for the garden and mm -hmm. just something, and then it could be back up with the filter. So you probably want to get multiple, multiple of those pods. I mean, honestly, you probably want to get like four or five if you really yeah. want to irrigate the garden. And so what's your rain schedule like? I mean, do you have fairly consistent rain? Probably not, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's bad. So that's why it would have to be like, I had twice set up a few to catch, but it would, I could not rely on that at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very bad shape if we did that. We'd have to, but then we at least get that river there. Though so we would have to move that water. Well, and you know, in some ways this is like a thought game, like, cause ideally you'll always have city water, but it is, it's the homesteading mindset to like, you know, it's like, we haven't even justified this kooky stuff we're talking about. Right. Like who, you know, the water's never going to stop says most people, (laughs) but like that, that is the funny thing. And it's why I think people look at folks like us, like we're being foolish. It's like, they just don't think that's possible. They don't think it's practical to uh, at least have some, you know, reassurances. Um, But if you talk to, that's, what's astonishing to me is because what you would think is people that are sort of immigrants from like, say Soviet Russia, it's kind of ironic, like yeah. you wouldn't see the the sort of um, fragility of government systems and sort of the uh, the promise that things are always just going to be a okay. Like the fall of the Soviet Union was pretty messy, right? Yeah. Like, well, I feel we kind of oversimplified your family. So, like the feedback that we get that's negative is really verbally, like your mom and your uncle. 
and like kind my of that thirteen year old sister. Yeah, like that that exact family unit was together. But like yeah. dad, oh. uh, her her dad is like actually that's pretty true. big prep guy. Like even though he lives totally in an apartment in the city, he's a teacher. Um, I mean, yeah, he's the one that taught us about the IVCs. He's keeps us. He, he questions about stuff all the time. Like make sure that we're prepared. And it's a big thing in Utah in general, more than I ever saw in Indiana, to just have a big food supply. Mm. Like I've definitely seen more people like so your mom does that. And that could be maybe an old Soviet Russia kind of thing. I mean they she lived that. They talked about you said they were like very skinny and had problems in Latvia. Oh like, yeah, very bit. malnourished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so there's definitely that aspect, but I think almost this is just a total guess, but like psychologically almost like we're out of that. Your mom is like she sees like success in us not having to do that kind of like mm. So I think that's why we get negative kickback from her. But like, so her mom, your grandmother lives here too. And she is like, I guess, I think we briefly talked about this at the wedding at some point, but she's like old school, does permaculture and has no idea what permaculture is. Like oh, yeah. yeah, she, her whole yard, even though it's in the middle of a neighborhood, probably not the greatest groundwater to use and whatnot, but uh, her entire yard produces like, it's really all, every square foot if yeah. you think about it like that's what you that's that's what you want to get to eventually yeah, a little bit at a time you can get there yeah yeah, yeah. i want to be one day but it's so cool she has like really old like just old ideas that people are like rediscovering that she just knows so mm-hmm. i go down just where i'm actually supposed to go down in a few days and there's a different farmer that we pick up manure from that she uses in her own composting and whatnot and i just load up my truck with it and then he'll drop it off and but yeah, she always wants to have like some little bit of gardening knowledge that she'll give me. Like I really enjoy only like to spend time, even though it's a huge language barrier. There's definitely been like some miscommunication before, but um, yeah, I think we just think she likes me because of that. I think we got together like it was good to end initially with your family. It was like having to end with grandma. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we painted your family just a little wrong. So the reason I went on that. Well, and you know, I hope we're not like getting too personal. I can always edit stuff out if we need to, but you know, it's, um, it's like, I, I would say that families in general, they're often like supportive halfway with this kind of stuff. You know, that's kind of like how mine is. So it's not to say anybody's wrong to be like concerned that everybody wants to just see what's best for their family. Right. And when something's a little different than the norm, people are reflexively kind of, um, suspicious of it you know and that's what we're dealing with for the most part so it's you know it's like i hope we you know discussions with my mom it's been interesting because a large reason why she's against us hunting is because she doesn't understand why we want to expose ourselves to some cruel injustice when she goes to a grocery store and she can just buy that package of chicken breast and not have to think about the process not think about how it was treated or what it was fed Uh, She wants us to be ignorant toward that. And Mm. she's seeing it as more of like a protection thing. Mm. She's like super mom. Right. Hence Russian mom. No, it seems seems crazy to me that people don't understand just at a basic level that there's something spiritually significant. Or connected. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't. Even if you don't want to expose yourself um, to that, like, that's okay. But like, it's sort of, that's, that's what being human sort of has been historically. And it's where we come from and it's what we are evolved for truthfully. Like the world is not supposed to be totally without violence, frankly, 
you know, violence is a reality and it's about being grateful to the, to the animal and, and knowing that your nourishment literally came off the land, yeah. you know, yeah, your, absolutely. your local eco space, right? It's huge for Whoa. us. We make ourselves think through that. Like, well, man, like right as the kill has happened. Maybe yeah, it's just not so it. obvious to everybody, but no. Right. Yeah, but. Well, when I got my antelope tag, I was really skeptical. Mm. I was thinking, I can't do this. This is mm. way too much. I'm going to be bawling the whole time, which I was bawling the whole time. But regardless mm. of that, you have to power through that emotion. Well, it was traumatic. It was traumatic. Just but like- something that really helped me get through it and really realize why I'm doing it is Tegan made the point of when you're eating this animal, you're eating its environment. You're mm. eating how wild it was, how free mm. it was. You're you're eating the juniper berries and the sage that it was eating. Like mm. you are this environment a, when you consume it. That's why you kind of started this. And then we, she started collecting juniper and sage because they tend to be pretty easy to find wherever we're hunting and from each location and we'll like save some and use it as garnish on the food from the animal left there and like works perfectly every time and sage does not taste the same everywhere changes Mm. well okay so there's there is um sorry i was just getting a phone call there there are two different kinds of sage okay you're thinking of sage brush yeah yeah Yeah. not like sage Sage the Spice is a, uh, man, I'm a little too close to the microphone here or something. <laughs> Hope I'm not blowing out your speakers. No. Sound okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, sage the Spice is a Mediterranean plant, I believe. And um, they have similar smells. Basically, it was the white man that came in and said, oh, that's sage brush, you know, because they smell pretty similar. And they are usable in the same exact kind of way. Like, you know, sort of as a, um, a, a, it's a pungent sort of, you don't really cook with a lot of it, you know, yeah. usually. So, but as a little garnish or I love throwing sage or rosemary or whatever into the pan when you're just cooking bacon or like a steak, oh, okay, yeah. just throw a sprig in the pan and let it do its thing kind of off to the side. And that that's all it takes, you know? Oh, rosemary, rosemary is so fun. underrated. Yeah. Rosemary is like the yeah. best. <laughs> just on yeah. We just made a bread the other day. And we put rosemary on the top of it. The whole oh. house just smelled so good. And that bread was so good. Yeah. That's another thing with, uh, I've, I don't think I've even, so I have this app. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called Onyx. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a buy. map, map yeah. app. Yeah. yeah. Really good outdoor stuff. They're mostly hunting, but they've got, actually they've expanded. There's like a hiking and uh, camping one now too. Well, and their whole thing is they show property lines. Yeah. So it's very yeah. clear. Like, so you're not trespassing. Yeah. yeah. That's been huge for us. There's actually one time we were like so dead tired on a turkey hunt because we went to this like really straight. We crossed like 10 ridge lines in like four mm-hmm. hours and we were like out of water in the straight sun the whole time. But we cut this, we used that app and purposely cut through private. So well, we, like, had we have to. to go home. We were like dying right now. At that point, we were surrounded by private land and we yeah. could not make it. Oh, yeah. That was, that was bad. Yeah. That was like we pushed it too far. But. And that wasn't a good spot for turkey. It's a learning curve. Is still, that's one of the things. Like people think hunting, and they're like, "Oh, it's too easy with a gun." And people always kind of act like bow hunting is like more admirable, and in a way, it is because it gets more like ethical. But I mean, like gun hunting isn't really that easy. 
like first of all like no it's not most no, of it it's is not. just hiking no. your ass off for just to get to have some time in nature like yeah you, i say there's no difference in ethics there's no difference in ethics yeah. it's merely a matter of how how sporting you want to be yeah totally. and, and you're more with a bow <laughs> say what now you injure more with a bow injured more it's, often it's way easier to miss or just shoot something in the butt or like just mm. not actually get a kill shot with a gun you just put your crosshair as long as you know it's good you're taking that out it's i would say good. yeah it's actually probably then more ethical with a rifle yeah that's my only like personal thing but i mean really by the slightest amount slightest amount it's really split in hairs like yeah. you know i say bows are great and it's a skill that you want to maintain in order to be prepared for the possibility of not having your gun you know not having ammunition for your gun you know whatever hopefully that never happens but a bow is fairly uh it's reusable obviously so yeah that's cool no i um i i admire anybody that hunts for their own food i wish i could do more of it um partly it's a i i could do more of it i just haven't gotten gotten the experience or whatever but you just you got to get in there and do it i'm hoping yeah. to to basically find like a hunting mentor before yeah before i meant long. to do that yeah. didn't really i mean beyond this i only went hunting with eddie at his cabin like a few times mm. only other experience and i got super into uh you ever seen like the mediator show on netflix and mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Bell has a podcast and all that i got yeah. super obsessed with that and I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, this is going to be my life. I've always wanted. And I've known that because I remember feeling that back at Eddie's. And honestly, it was one of the first points I was going to make was this, this whole thing that pointed me in this whole direction. I feel like I've had to relearn it recently. But I can remember being in like fourth grade. And I think it was like Mrs. Raider's class. And we had some like vocab word that was like, it was like subsistence or something like that. And I remember like, I remember that moment. I lately like, I don't remember. I couldn't tell you any other words we learned that year. Like that stood out to me because I was just like, this sounds so cool. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to provide for myself completely. And then like, of course I forgot that lived life in school and like, it just is slowly coming back out. Like as I can be myself. So. Well, I love that you kind of brought that in um, the subsistence, um, you know, language around this stuff is important. It's important. It's our justification. And I actually did write down a question and it, it's simply what is self-reliance? And then I, I also wrote what is self-sufficiency? Because I think they're kind of synonyms, but kind of not. Um, and yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? What would you define like, it doesn't matter if you draw a distinction, just what do you, what is your definition there? Like, to be self-sufficient, it requires self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Like maybe self-reliance is the mode and, and self-sufficiency is the act or something of that nature, yeah. right? Yeah, like it kind of like require, like there's not one without the other, mm-hmm. but they all are covering the same topic. Right? So what does that mean to you? I mean, obviously everything we've been talking about, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. very <laughs> much so like getting, I mean, initially just wanting to get reconnected to nature, but then very much so want to be able to provide for myself and then like last year just reconfirmed everything so yeah yeah you know i always try to bring it back to like we can't necessarily do it alone which is why i think it's cool that you guys chose to go to a neighborhood and not be you could have gone more remote i'm sure yeah if we that was still want to but we want to make mm-hmm. sure it's still like we don't want to we still want to be about as close to a city like we are which is like i mean 
like anything you could ever need while like life is normal is right there without having anything more corporate than of course a walmart mm-hmm. and i think we have a starbucks i mean in a mcdonald's of course but we don't yeah. like, they want a costco but like half the community is like hell no like don't mm-hmm. bring costco here so that's a fight from just all the california yeah, we came back well. here to get away from a costco <laughs> yeah like we don't want that like i mean we'd never go to it but it's just, i still don't want it to i mean there's a there's definitely a battle like living back here that dichotomy there's it's losing that so i mean we'll probably end up moving somewhere but i still want to be in that community because i mean a huge part of our success is simply just having met people that also are more self-sufficient and like leaning on them a little bit that gives you mm. that help and i i unintentionally have been mentored so by your grandma by al that old guy that gives us all the fish and taught me the archery stuff and Oh, beyond that, just lots of random folks. But well, that's why New Mexico is so appealing to us. Because when we went to go visit a few months ago, it seemed like such a self-sufficient community. Mm. People were there for one another, and we actually went to a coffee shop in Taos. And Taos is like an hour outside of Santa Fe. It's a pretty established town. Third largest city in the state. Yeah. And I went to pay with credit card because, you know, that's accepted everywhere. It's easy. And the barista told me, actually, we don't accept credit. We only do cash or check. But if you're a local, I can write your name down in this IOU book. And next mm-hmm. time you're around the block, you can pay it off. That's how, the, that's how YATS used to be. Used to. Yeah. I forgot YATS did used to do that. Yeah. I, totally uh, that. I totally forgot. I, I didn't yeah, you could. Much. They'd give you an IOU. And it's like, I bet you half the people never came back. But like what's that little plate of food cost in the yeah. long term? I, I became a loyal customer because the food was good, but also because somebody right in front of me in line had that experience. And luckily I had cash, but I didn't know that it was early in my going there. And yeah. um, no, it's so cool when, when local businesses like show a little bit of trust for the, you well, know. it also shows a reciprocated in integrity. Yeah. People actually do come back. Maybe it's not all of them, but people do. Yeah. To a point. Yeah. I should probably rescind that. Maybe it's 90% of people maybe do come back, you know? Yeah. If you think of it more like capitalistically, I mean, they have to make some sort of decisions based on money. So if it really wasn't like, if everyone was just like, no, nah, we're not coming back and it was a big enough hit, they'd have to end it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, eventually they just, they got so popular that they started opening more and more chains and and i think they just gave in on the credit card thing you know it's like we're making money hand over fist let's keep going (laughs) you know they've gone from one location to like 12 in um you know they've got a couple like in ohio and like i want to say one down in kentucky and over illinois and um yeah man yeah it's it's, you know it's kicking it it's it's going at yeah, going for the moon. Like the get get stoned in high school. Yeah, it's like yeah, buy buy some time. stock. <laughs> it's good shit. It anywho, anywho, so you know, self sufficiency. Like to me, it's so funny. I think it ties in with what we're talking about with our families. Like how they're almost threatened with the fact that that's our goal, and I think it's instinctual, and I think it's subconscious, and it's like a a basic realization without being consciously aware that they are not self-sufficient yeah. at least you know it's like so the 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 goal to become self-sufficient which i feel like we should make clear does not mean that you work alone right it's yeah. like you said it's kind of the um it's it's the attitude of like i'm going to 
care for me and my family and I'm going to like do what I need to. And, and it doesn't mean you can do it alone, but it means you're, you're going to make it happen and you're the force behind doing it. You're not going to like let somebody else take responsibility for your well being, Right. That's what it means to me. Yeah. No, I said, you can't, it does always require some sort of like leaning on another. Cause as much as we want to be like Jack of all trades and stuff, there's so like a limit to all of that. There's a limit. Like yeah. the, in the media, they always say like, we're noble in that we hunt, but we don't make our own clothes. So mm-hmm. the whole other, I mean, there's so many other actors. Well, we are introducing a lot of other components to it. Well, like yeah. we are doing our own soap or um, yeah, we don't shampoo. Really have chemicals. Are you? That's, I'm, yeah, I'm she's impressed. You're heading that. She like makes everything like our own dishwasher fluid. Well, honestly, I mean, hygiene products, that's important, you know, yeah. like when supply chains are disrupted, like they are right now, I mean, shampoo and conditioner, I'm pretty sure a lot of that comes in from China, you know, it's like, shit's going to run out. (laughs) Well, and it's not really a necessity, I guess, but it is still nice to know that we can make it. Soap soap is a necessity Yeah, and it's a barter item and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a craft. (laughs) Well, and then we've already been, so part of the, we, I need to move on with this, but I've made lard from that fat that we got from the stores for free. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we bought lye. So we want to like really make old school soap and like make it ourselves. Cause it's just those, mostly those two ingredients and maybe some like essential oils. And whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if things hit the fan and people need soap and we hunt, there's not a lot of fat. There's enough to make little bars of soap with some lye and like we can get that out of rock and everything. You know, it's, I, I wonder how long lard is shelf stable. Like, I'm not sure, but I think it's quite a while. It's definitely a while. It's not as long as some. I mean, are we talking months or years? Do you know? Uh, I think if you freeze it, you can get like five years. But I could okay. totally be wrong about this. This is something that maybe scanned once. Like, but it's the kind of thing like that's, you know, I'm starting to think I'm always a seasonal thinker as like a professional gardener. I have to be. And, and so it's like your preps can ebb and flow with the season, but you know, it's like those critical items um, for, for homestead endeavors, like making soap. I think that's incredible that y'all are doing that because it's a source of revenue potentially. And it's just at, at its core, a necessity. Yeah. And um, basically like that source of fat, as I alluded to earlier, that's a critical component of like security for the homestead it always has been um and it's like if 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 only there was a neighborhood butcher right maybe there is maybe there is i don't know but um mostly you can't get that much lard off of anything other than what pigs and cows right yeah i mean big beaver might have some decent amount some good lard and bear bear yeah bears it bears it man that's why i was kind of making a big deal out of the bear it, it, no you're really right I was, there's a whole mediator podcast i was to where they talked about how bear fat literally was the money on the frontier oh like, yeah yeah like it's huge like that was because you could do so much beyond literally needing it to survive mm-hmm. oh and uh that made me think of so you're talking about how like you obviously need like fat survive. we watched have you ever seen that show alone i don't think so so I, I, we got into it randomly, but it's like a Netflix show where they take people who have like survival experience. You have to like prove to them, like some of them have been homeless for years of their lives and like wow. some are really have a survivalist and they drop them off like in the Arctic and it's like, mm. who can survive the longest? And they're miles apart from each other and you're literally by yourself. And this guy didn't win. He didn't win, right? Or did he end up still no, winning? He 
did. Yeah, but he almost got like meta pulled out or he almost didn't make it. Like he got just as close as everyone else, even though everyone else was just barely catching fish and he had a whole moose that he shot. Mm. It's almost everyone brings a bow with him. But um, there's no fat on it. And he so ended up catching a wolverine. Oh, yeah, you know, he had a wolverine, yeah. You go ahead. Uh, no, but that's, oh no. Did he get, he did he had get, to the get the wolverine. wolverine, the wolverine but he had a lot of fat, fat from the fish yeah, and the, the wolverine fat. was eating that fat, which mm-hmm. was a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had, he built a whole crazy structure. Just tell a side story, but he built this crazy structure. It was like a three-pointed triangular, like lifted 25 feet off the ground with the trees. Had the fat up there and he used fat on the post to like make it slippery in the wolverine's yeah and, wow yeah but it really screwed him he didn't have that fat his weight just started tanking and it, it well, i should like check that. i should check this you, show out i mean you like sounds it. legit it sounds it's legit fun. yeah it's probably one of my favorite shows they just had another new season yeah. right. oh and you see people just going there's a guy from indianapolis but he actually made me think of that they go a little crazy because they're like yeah outburst. you're literally watching people just like die mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's so intense even though they have they all have like you know knowledge from their specific areas, but like they're literally getting dropped off in the Arctic Circle. That's what I'm saying. You can't do it alone. You just you yeah. just can't. You just can't. Like it's amazing bringing it back to Jeremiah Johnson. Like the mountain men of North America were as close as anybody has ever been to being able to go it alone. Yeah. And you know, it's like it's because these guys. The, the movie's so interesting because it it hits on the fact that they had to sort of navigate the world of indians at the time really and you know that word is not the whatever native americans whatever but um it's like they had to deal with that reality that they were kind of strangers in the land and they had to be a little bit humble about it and a little bit on guard and like he kills a like a crow uh scout at one point because they end up fighting because you know they're from different cultures and that's the way people can be and but like part of he he kind of almost adopts that culture himself in many ways after being exposed to it it's a very good movie a lot of people like make it halfway in and it kind of has like a pretty slow chapter in the middle and yeah yeah (laughs) but uh you know it's it's worth sticking out um because it it tugs at the at the whole dichotomy of like he is in in many ways self-reliant self-sufficient he is as close as anybody has been to doing everything as you as you could by yourself but even then he had help along the way you know and he needed it he needed it he wouldn't have quite made it otherwise so yeah they were actually they love that whole like what are they call like the frontier the mountain man i guess mm-hmm rendezvous even they that was like where the word rendezvous came from because from the french traders and they were like one of the very first ones was in the salt lake area but it happened like the next one was in uh somewhere in montana but it's where they would all meet up like every year hmm. and like help each other trade or, like there would always be some of it but like beyond that they would just split and go off on their own mm-hmm. beyond that, just like talking to the tribes in the area and, but they were talking about how we, we pictured them all as like these big burly men and they were all like bone skinny in reality. Like they wouldn't, they would have been barely making it by all the time. Just very wise of how they burnt their energy. When it like, it ties back into what we were talking about with like sort of priests, pre, not pre-civilization, but like these civilized people, quote unquote, who were in these sort of 
almost prehistoric um, settlements. We don't know much about them, but uh, it's like a lot of them were semi-nomads as best as we can tell. And that's what I was bringing up um, Capital Reef for. It's like, I got to know that space so intimately. And it's so interesting that those irrigation channels were there. You know, the, the Mormons kind of unearthed them. And the truth is you couldn't, you couldn't really live there full time. It's the desert. It's the desert. You know, it's, but that is a source of perpetual water. It was right at the uh, junction of two rivers. So it's as good of a settlement place as any, but they would have to go scavenge in times of drought because, you know, the, the, the land would dry out. They couldn't irrigate everything all the time and this and that, you know, the, the river would drop so far let's say, but they, you know, as far as I know, these cultures, they, they'd kind of split their time just out of habit, not even out of necessity, but out of habit, they'd go up into the mountains for basically they, I think oftentimes these um, pre agriculture examples um, where they're kind of doing agriculture, it's, it's like they would plant a crop and walk away for six months and come back. It was very low intensity agriculture low input and it's it's smart it's smart it's clever you know they'd go get their fat and protein up on the mountain and they'd come back and all their grains and you know the the squash and the beans and the corn was waiting for them when they got back whatever was left you know it's like you know easy come easy go you know they had like you know maybe small yield but large mass to get a total big yield but we traded getting big yields for like such intensive labor where you have to be there the whole time but i mean monoculture becomes a whole other thing but like yeah yeah. there's a principle i can't remember how people always describe it but it's almost like oh you know i'll tell you what it is this guy in the construction business he told me he said 75 80 percent way better than 100 percent and what he meant by that is like effort and because it's it's a way of thinking it's about efficiency you're not giving it your 100% effort because you're too smart for that shit. Give it 75. Like that's plenty, you know, like, you know, and if you're not in a rush and you're not trying to get as much out of yourself as possible, you'll do better quality work. And it's like, I think that that principle applies. It's sort of like pragmatism at play is um, not expending too much energy on something that you're not getting enough, you know, back on. So people get carried away a lot of times that's, and it is, it's the, um, it's the agricultural mindset of modern day of just more, 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 you know, give us as much production as possible. And that's just, it's not a healthy way of thinking, you know, yeah, we've been made all this technology now. And the whole point is to work less and advance us. And we just, mm-hmm. just want more like, yeah. right. Right. That's why I don't care. I think for my family, they, they're totally cool with me gardening, hunting, like, Mm-hmm. They don't, they wouldn't hunt, but they like, they aren't, don't give me any sort of negativity for that. They don't understand my desire to put more effort into like that part of my life than like a typical career where I'm going to super sure. high. And that's where there's all, like, I butt heads with my dad all the time on that. But I mean, mm. it's fine, but it's just like, he just has to accept I don't understand that part of you. Like, like we used to, like, he has told me that, like, I like to change my brakes, my oil, I just did my battery, like stuff like that. And he, takes pride in the fact that he didn't ever have to do that. He can pay someone to do that. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. totally, completely understand that. Coming from like being him, like both my parents, I don't know if they're talking about, both my parents were like super poor. My dad's literally from like a shack in the woods at one point when he was really young. 
Hmm. Like it's just a really small little house, like in the backwoods with seven siblings. And all he did was go get lost. They had pet raccoons and all kinds of stuff. Like my dad was hmm. such like a forest raised kid who became very business oriented and he, that was success to him. And that is for like a lot of people. So I don't judge him for it too much. I wish he could have a little more ability to see the value that was at play back then. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Large scale, that's better. Like, I mean, so I moved out here with him. We drove together with a U-Haul. And at one point, we like, I mean, we never seen eye to eye on this, but he has just looked around the, like the fastest. We had some really, I think we we're up in Wyoming. You could just see so far with some mountains and range in the distance. And he was just like, how is it possible for humans to have messed any of this up? Mm. This is so big. Like, I don't know, like, you just don't understand. Like, we're not going to start this conversation fully, Dad. Like, I didn't break it in there, but I'm like, it's just massive difference, I think, generationally. And mm-hmm. Not even generationally, because I think we tend to think that almost too linearly. So you're saying he was kind of making the argument like, we haven't been able to mess it up? Or I'm confused. Yeah, yeah my dad, does, like, at least at that time, I don't know, because he always moves back. Like, look at how big the planet is. There's no way we can be doing yeah, it. Yeah, like, I don't think he thinks planets can change or anything like that stuff. And I'm like, it's, yeah. You know, believe it or not, I think there is logic to both sides of that argument. Yeah. Like nature is more resilient than many people oh, give it credit for. Yeah. And I'm starting to see too that I think there's a, a bit of toxicity in the environmental movement and the language we use. Um, <laughs> and it, it creates a um, a sense of impending doom that's probably not quite as extreme, like in reality, as we make it out to be. Yeah. And it's almost paralyzing to some people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really affected like mental health, you know, yeah. in a lot yeah, of like people. Kids and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I always so, say like, you know, like water will move where it's going to come down. It's going to move. That's if you're talking about climate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. water. So it's going to move. So why are we using all our models to like sit here and try to like defeat some like perceived negative that we've caused through our energy consumption shouldn't we be using our computer computer model to see where the water is going to move and have farmland and be prepping that soil and like climates will always change and if we want to really commit to being around here all the time it's not the first time be it our cause or not we're going to see it change and like the way way we're handling it isn't exactly healthy like not everyone needs to drive an electric car unless we want to destroy a lot more of the habitat that hasn't been touched on this planet that's mm-hmm. to mine the precious metals for the ba- yeah. you know batteries and whatnot well you know there's there's it's, there's always more nuance than we think yeah it's, yeah and, it's um, right now yeah recycling of the batteries too yeah we don't we can't recycle them very well and they're all made very differently by each manufacturer and they there's like three major different ways to recycle them and some of them yeah require all three some require one like it's not going to be efficient well, yeah, and I know you've done environmental, you've like done environmental remediation kind of work in the past, right? So like you've seen firsthand how land can be degraded. Yeah, you, 100%. So you've also seen how it can be healed as well. And that's yeah. what permaculture is all about at its core yeah. is like improving the land. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting in that like we've had this common thread for the last handful of episodes on easy peasy about like sort of public land and access and how it's like i think it's such a blessing that we have public lands at all at the same time i have issues with how it's managed and the fact that our government is in the business of resource extraction you know stuff like that bothers me but um at the same time it's like we have this 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 access to this land and it's it's basically the lungs and heartbeat of our economy and our, you know, but we have to, we have to 
be intimately aware of how people interact with the land. So many people want to block out human influence altogether. And I think that's, that's a dangerous way of thinking. It's almost like a genocidal way of thinking. A lot of environmentalists I'm saying are like, it's like your avid, um, you know, you're like militant vegan type people who want to just like close off huge swaths of wilderness and say no hunting, nothing. You're not even allowed to go in there and camp. And it's like, that doesn't do anybody any, I mean, it does us good, but it doesn't do us as much good. And we could do good in these spaces, right? Through permaculture, we can actually be the healing force. You know, nature heals itself, but we can accelerate it. We're smart. We figured a lot of things out. Yeah. There's so many, it's almost like lost knowledge. Like there's like agroforestry that's like done in South Mm -hmm. America stuff, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, that was my fair thing. I wrote a bunch of essays on that in college. And I kind of want to get to the point. I'm sure it would piss the HOA off of doing it here because I do live in the forest and I already have discovered uses for aspen trees. And like now I, I mean, honestly, our forest is semi agroforestry naturally. It's very mm-hmm. forageable. There's so many different mints and like long linen balms. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's got invasive problems too. Oh, yeah. Like you were saying earlier, seeing both sides of that. Like I, literally saw one of the most disgusting environments I've ever seen in my life. And it was behind a warehouse on the east side of Indianapolis. And it, it was just this picture. It was like maybe five acres mm-hmm. where it was just completely honeysuckle, mm-hmm. garlic mustard, no topsoil, mm-hmm. just mosquitoes. And I was taking well samples in there and everything was filled with chromium. It was was like, that's what my job was. Was literally just go to these like just fucked areas and just see like for contaminants. Yeah, yeah, and I I can understand someone seeing that and being like, yeah, we gotta make it all clean. But we've got just as many studies. If you just leave the wild alone, it's not as stable because we've still cut it off so much with roads and everything. It 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 requires us to own up to the fact of what we are, and we are an animal in this ecosystem, and we Mm -hmm. have to live that way. We can't just like leave it alone, like the that whole like super vegan perspective and all that stuff is like probably part of it's necessary and it's just part it's inevitable people will be that way but yeah it's not going to be what saves anything it kind of sucks that that perspective is guiding what people think will save the world right now it's not going to in any way it'll just be a new bad i think it's very black and white thinking and it's like it's the idea that human beings and nature are separate which yeah. I think is pervasive and incorrect. Yeah. It's right. Super, all the time. Like, like we used to think we're separated because there's a couple inches of wood right here. That's it. That's it. That's but, the only, that's an illusion. It's an illusion. Like, it's something yeah. bad in our brains. Like that yeah. wall lets us think we're in a different area, but we're not like, it's a weird thing we have. Like actually there was a study that was kind of pointing out, we evolved this ability to change our consciousness based on what are perceived barriers for our safety it was like this and this is very out there like i don't know how proven it is but they did find a correlation in it and it's where the whole sensation when you enter a room or go upstairs where you forget why you went up there Mm. your brain has evolved to sense these different zones and when you cross into one a lot of those tend to be like you know grassland to forest boundaries and stuff like that naturally and that's where predators would be so you evolve this thing where your mind just erases for a second and you lose it because it just causes you to scan and like what mm. and you'll notice anything dangerous in your environment and that's like it was an evolutionary thing and that 
I think what it, they were trying to say that I don't think they've proven it, but that leads to this whole like we fall victim to be in houses and that's a separate world. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like that whole it's that totally phenomenon it. applied to our psyche on like a on a you know landscape scale. Yeah, right? now we have cities that are. It's like, oh, it's out of sight, out of mind, whatever. I'm not there. It's not my problem, maybe. Well, whatever. That's probably not the right way of phrasing it. But, you know, I want to say, I just want to interject and say, like, I would love to go for another maybe 30 minutes or so, but I don't want to hold you guys all night. We've been going a while. So how do you feel? It's not even seven our time. So Yeah, I know it's earlier out there. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I am like, I'm just so like, impressed with um anybody that's like committing to this right now because it's like everything is trying to tell us to just like take our fate and like everything's going to be okay like we have people on it but like i think people like us just they we see through that kind of like veil of safety that that illusion of the four walls like separating us from the natural elements and i think that's like a dangerous um it's a dangerous illusion to let ourselves like believe, right? It's very vulnerable. The more, and that's just like physics and how the universe balances everything. Like the more you're going to send everything into this, like the way we have where we're reliant on all these systems we've created instead of systems the universe created. That's, that's what I mean. It's kind of vague too, because you know, we, the universe made us and then we made the systems, but uh, I don't know. It's like, it's inevitably going to have more of an ability to, to crumble than relying on something that's from billions of years of systemic correction. So that, I don't know, to me, it makes way more sense. There's no reason you can have a mixture of both, but like we lived back in these more nomadic small tribes and you never would have made COVID. Mm. It never would have happened. Like, so there's a trade-off to everything. Like there's, as the universe always has to like have that dichotomy of, some sort of balance and and that's why there's value to technology obviously we can live still overall healthier with modern medicine and a lot of attributes not for everything i had this book i read that was called the emperor of all maladies and it was every single way humanity has ever tried to fight cancer and the rate of success has changed a couple percent mm. radiation chemo are not that much better i mean recently they've actually took off and they're actually kind of separating themselves getting pretty good but mm. overarching especially when that book was written you could have way much easily as much success and still it still happens all the time where you have like more of a homeopathy that saves someone's or literally just doing a bunch of cannabis saves them from cancer than than chemotherapy would have but i'm just saying there's got to be some sort of like balance to that and i think that's why there's a value to returning to the land make sure we don't lose all of this which i feel like if our generation just stopped right now and there weren't people like us at least in america that information would be gone oh man it's almost it, i've thought about that i've thought about that it's like there was a very small back to the land movement in the seventies um, and sort of this budding environmental movement. And it kind of went different directions and, and permaculture kind of like was spawned right in this, in this sea of ideas about, you know, are we, are we in big trouble? Right. You know, I hate to say it. My dog is begging me for food right now. Oh, you're fine. That's why she walked away earlier is to feed our dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me like, pause for a moment but i'm trying to i'm trying to like maybe complete a thought this damn dog 
<laughs> it's like, bro, I'm talking, you know, damn it. We were reading the, the essay yesterday. We we're trying to give ourselves some time to get ready to read self-reliance. And she was just making crazy noises the whole time. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. All right. Well, I'll be right back. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to like, remember what I was talking about. I already don't remember. So. <laughs> right. I'll come back. As soon as you re-enter this space. Yeah. 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 All right. I'll be right back and we'll cut out the dead space. But if you guys have any thoughts, feel free to just speak, you know, and I'll jump in. All right. <laughs> well, you have any thoughts here? Or do you want to bring up some of your initial things you wrote down? Uh, I don't know yet. Because we did start talking about self-reliance earlier. It was actually right when you stood up and go, we're talking about the difference between self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Yeah, I heard that part. Okay. All right. I hope he's satisfied. Nice. <laughs> he's a pretty good dog, right? He seems every time I've, I've always seen him like twice, but he was like super well behaved. Oh, he's a pretty good boy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he did. He seemed like he had his shit together. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, until <laughs> he sees until he sees a squirrel and then he loses his shit. And it's because he's a good squirrel dog. And like, that's what he should do. It's yeah. like, you know, I took him hunting, um, my very limited experience hunting. You know, I went on an elk hunt when I lived in Utah, along with some people. I didn't have a tag, but you know, it's a bunch of older guys, and they're you like, people when you're doing that, <laughs> they're like, we need extra hands. We're and they do it the the best way, right? Yeah. Um, they basically set up two, you know, canvas tents, like military style tents, yeah. with wood stoves inside yeah. them, uh, right? And we set up base camp, right? And we had probably, we probably had about a rick of wood, maybe half a rick of wood uh, for like five nights. You know, we were going to have plenty of firewood, you know, no problem. And um, plenty of booze. We we probably had 90 beers, you know, at least for, you know, five guys or whatever. (laughs) And it's probably more than 90. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's like we we stayed up there for five days straight. They had a couple of like ATV type, you know, we had a UTV, we had a four wheeler, we had a Jeep. So we would basically tow the four wheeler and the ATV to the end of the trail. Right. You know, using the Jeep and and someone's pickup truck and we'd get the four wheeler out and we'd get the side-by-side out, you know, a handful of us pile into the side-by-side, two of us get on the wheeler. We take that as far as that goes, you know, into the back country where no one else is gonna go that's kind of the whole idea it's opening day and it's like every jackass out there is just driving around in their fucking pickup trucks with a gun (laughs) you know and they're just scoping for for like that chance like herd on the side of the highway and not supposed to do it but a lot of people do you just kaboom right out of the window of the pickup it's not very that's not very sporting you know no i wouldn't i don't think i could do no so we did it the cool way the cool way right (laughs) and uh we basically hiked in another couple miles like kind of you know i think they basically had a good idea where these animals tend to hang out yeah yeah 
and they kind of had an idea of sort of their modes of travel, you know, their travel patterns and stuff. These guys are serious. They get out there a few weeks in advance, camp out a handful of nights and like just scope everything, you know, they get up on the mountain and they just scope for like a a week, you know? And then we got out there. We, you know, three guys had tags. Another three guys were just there in assistance. We had our, you know, bunkhouse set up and then we had the kitchen and bar, two separate intent, you know, two separate tents. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was so cool. And um, anyway, so that was just like a fun experience. My only actual kills, aside from hitting a couple of deer with my pickup truck, uh, which I've made use of, thank you very much. But it's like, other than that, just squirrels. And this dog loves treeing squirrels and telling me where they're at, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I don't want to get her to do that, but labs are better at, she's so good with the shepherd lab mix. So she'll follow like commands really well. She's really Mm. smart but I have to get her to wait. And she's not bothered by gunfire at all. Like she'll sit mm. there and shoot like my 30 out six. She doesn't care. Mm. But, so she's got an ability, but she wants to retrieve. That's like her main thing. She'll go get it. So she'll go out, like shake the pot gut, bring it back. Yeah. Things like that. But I don't know mm. if like, I really would. I mean, squirrel hunting is harder than people think. I mean, a dog really helps with that. Well, you got to be a pretty decent shot to get a squirrel. You know, yeah. it's pretty small. Yeah. Uh, and usually if they're up in a tree, they're at least... 30 yards away you know 100 foot tree or whatever so it's almost some 22s that's about as good as you're gonna get accuracy wise yeah i was i was glad i got the ones i got i got probably three total (laughs) i think that's all we spent a lot of time traipsing around the woods only got a couple of squirrels but you know it's about the uh learning experience and you know just the you know the simple act of processing and eating a small game animal like i said i think it's spiritual I really do. I think homesteading is a spiritual choice. It's like, we want to live as people, as human beings, you know, I hate to say it. I just think we've been living wrong for the last. There's nothing inspiring about the way you live in modern life. I mean, I, before living here, I I lived the last eight years, no, more than that, like 10 years in cities. And there's nothing inspiring that I never woke up one day and wanted to write a poem there. Mm. I, like three times here so yeah. like you get, you get inspired you're connected to the, the nature well like, and uh, you and i have talked about this before but the reaction with dirt oh yeah yeah like the LA studies now are just getting yourself involved like i mean there's a couple different ones where you're just getting your hands in dirt mm-hmm. the bacteria that release serotonin like mm-hmm. just get more balanced and then there's a lot of it that a lot of people can say it's like woo woo but there actually are real studies that like those shoes we wear keep our bodies from discharging in a lot of ways oh yeah i'm actually grateful you know i live in my garage and it's like i spend a lot of time with my bare feet on concrete which some people would not be into at all but it's like i know that your body needs to release negative ions and like direct grounding is important you know a lot of people it's like sneakers off you know slippers on and they're standing on hardwood floors on sub sub floors, you know, on freaking rafters, basically, you know, basically all the time they're, they're separated from the ground. They're in their car They're you know, even when we're hiking and on, you know, walking on the sidewalk, it's, we got shoes. Yeah. yeah. I never even got any of that. Like, I mean, I guess in my backyard in Westfield, I'm playing the soccer ball without shoes on. Kids do it all the time. Adults. Yeah. Almost yeah, never. 
it's like weird but i mean i do it to hear that all the time though i walk out and i made it a thing where i was like i was pissed because i went out the first like five times we moved here and i was mad at how wimpy my feet were because mm-hmm. i stepped up mm-hmm. and be like ow like, yeah 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 so like i want to get these more calloused up so now For i sure when it's warm enough i'll wear nothing outside but it's not always best choice there's some old construction stuff for hours. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely found some nails. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have to step on some bad one. It won't kill me. Yeah, you got to get one of those little magnets on a stick and just yeah. you know, sweep sweep the whole area. That's what I'd do. I've done it. You know, I, that's I don't buy screws or anything. I just use the ones I find here. I have I've never needed to. We're that's yeah. we're both kind of weird that way. We just find uses for things and like. Almost, we're doing permaculture. Well, we without like trying. to be resourceful. We don't like yeah. to be wasteful. Mm-hmm. And actually, our our latest goal has been reducing the amount of trash bags that we have, and we've gotten it down to twelve a year. Wow! Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm very like I'm very minimalistic with my trash too because I I don't want to pay for trash trash service because I really don't produce much at all, and basically I wait between. Um, trips to the dump that I have to do for clients getting rid of stuff. And, um, you know, I, there's a place I take natural materials where it gets used, but then there's a place where I have to take, you know, like if there's treated lumber or, you know, whatever landscaping timbers, concrete blocks all the time, you know, at least once every few months, I have an excuse to go to the dump. So I just like, I kind of hoard my trash until I can charge somebody else to get rid of it basically. And it's amazing if you just, if you don't, if you recycle, if you, you know, burn your sort of cardboard in the fireplace and stuff, like it's amazing how little trash you can produce. If you just give a little thought to it and, and if you're not buying a bunch of freaking packaged processed foods, you know, I think that's actually a huge lesson for, by chance that anyone listens to this that has no real connection, just maybe slightly interested or maybe a little like just scared of the idea of jumping into it, is mm-hmm. I don't feel like my life's any different. No, like, it's pretty normal. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I literally still can turn on Netflix and everything. I just also barely throw away trash and found more uses and I, I just save money all the time. Right? Yeah, you're so, it's it's like a fun game that actually is like practical you know yeah, yeah it makes so much sense yeah like it's it's i can't it's, it was, should be enticing to our generation for how many things were like indebtedly screwed to compared to some previous ones at least in this nation's history but uh yeah beyond just ecological impact i think it should be retired that's just another thing i don't understand why we don't teach any financial stuff <laughs> <laughs> well done kitty i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad the cat didn't hang up on me there well you know it, it makes me think about you know it's kind of become the tagline of my show actually is finding simple solutions to life's complex problems right and it's like this stuff isn't revolutionary it's not groundbreaking it's basically just gardening and being frugal and like you said being resourceful and using what nature has you know to provide and being grateful to nature for the meat that it gives you and, and, you know, sort of being a positive force for the soil instead of a negative one, because you care for your own little patch of earth. Right. And that's, it's, it's, it's so simple. 
it's I said it's not revolutionary, but it is it's yeah. revolutionary. Yeah. It's revolutionary. You know, it's yeah, fucking yeah. revolutionary. It and it's such a massive change. It's it amazes me. Partly I want to just give into this idea that we're living in a simulation because it's like how else could we all be coming to the same conclusions yeah. at the same time and i don't yeah. mean all of us as in literally everyone but like all these folks are coming to the ideas of permaculture even if they never heard the word yeah. so many of us i hear this story all the time it's like you know i just <laughs> wanted to start gardening and i started reading stuff and i'm like god enough found out about this thing permaculture it's like changed everything man changed everything and it's like honestly i think it's the um the secular religion that we need yeah you know i i did a whole episode i don't know if y'all heard it or not um forgotten country i called it where you know it's like the founding fathers kind of respected the spiritual without nailing one religion to the to the country right you know there's references to god but there's no like there's a clear distinction about separation of church and state like that was important to them but they kind of like a handful of them sort of um philosophized about this and they came up with this concept of a, a public religion right one that nobody necessarily would deny so to say and it's like the, in God, we trust, like, you know, it's a just statement of like religiousness without saying this is Christianity, this is Hinduism, this is whatever. And I think that permaculture kind of can be that like shared spirituality without having to like, you know, abandon your faith traditions. But like, this is a shared thing that we can all say, we want to improve the soil we want to feed ourselves. We want to develop resilient communities. And um, I don't know, man. I think it's the most American shit ever, you know? Yeah, it is. It really is. And yeah. like, especially, I mean, taking it further, like really, like true permaculture almost like, I guess you could say it almost requires like a level of non-bureaucracy, anarchism, whatever word applies. Like it just requires a breakdown of that because you you can't really get the right results. You only partially get that way with the system we're living in right now. And that would just be because individuals took it upon themselves, but it would mm -hmm. constantly clash. And it requires someone that breaking down. So, you know, it's like Ron Paul. Ron Paul is a pretty, you know, he's one of the big libertarian, you know, spokespeople. And I like when he says, it's like, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. There's something wrong with our collective like cultural morality, right? Yeah. Like capitalism is just an, an effect. It's a, it's a system. It's not like good or bad. It's how we use it. It's how we engage with it. And until we address cultural, like spiritual, you know, you know, moral issues, we're always going to have problems. We're going to have issues, but like, I'm just encouraged. Cause like I said, I see a lot of people kind of coming to this thing from different places and um, I think we're going to like, I think we're going to be okay. At least some of us, <laughs> at least we will, you know? I was freaking out about meat and I was like, God, we have like three years of meat just like sitting here. Right now. Mm, mm, yeah. And like, it wouldn't even be a disaster if the freezer went out. Like, 
you got ways to keep these cold. Our house is lifted up above the crawl space, stays super cold, like way up on a mountain. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it'll only stay so cold. That's not, it's not yeah. exactly when it comes to your meat, actually, for free, you know, freezers and like power going out for a couple of days. I've heard horror stories about people. Yeah, you can. I have a, I have a lot, device man. attached to it. Actually, this is being way too relied on technology, but it's an app on my phone and I have a mm-hmm. free range. And if it goes outside, I'd know immediately. You have an alert. No, that's really yeah. smart. And there's, there's um, sort of more manual versions of that, you know, battery operated that make a chime when it gets, you know, in case yeah. say hypothetically in case cell towers stop working and shit, but you yeah. know, it's like, you do have to keep an eye on your freezers for sure. Cause even just a power surge leading the break, you know, the breaker yeah. throws and it's like all your lights stay on, but that one, you know, outlet goes out. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a bad day. Could be a bad day, which is why it's like, I'm thinking of Jenny, man, Jenny. Yeah. Of course you can always, you can always, they say that the poor man's generator, if you're not quite ready to make that investment is just getting a good quality inverter, which you should have anyways Yeah. for, for your vehicle, for your vehicle. Cause you've got a, you've got a generator sitting, you've got two generators sitting yeah. in your driveway, right? You just idle that car and you keep that freezer frozen, right? Like an hour on, you know, two hours off, right? Easy. Smart. I didn't even think about it. A car totally is a generator. And I think people have done studies about like, you know, throw some sleeping bags over your freezer to like yeah, insulate it. And like, how long can we go like, you know, doing the whole like generator or car inverter and like, you know, people have done, they've got the spreadsheets. It's like, if you've got, you know, this size freezer and the power's out, you know, you need to run your generator for one hour every six or one hour every 12 or, you know, it's like, yeah, there's, there's people that have kind of done that experiment, you know, (laughs) there's a good from technology and community allows even this stuff to be improved. So, right. Right. We better rely on that because there'll be a requirement to spread that information before it's gone. Because if things like just went out right now, there'd still be massive, just massive losses. That's it, man. That's why I still buy hard copies of books, you know, and like, I keep my DVDs in case uh, Netflix decides to go away. You know, <laughs> uh, we went to a bookstore while we were on vacation. We're actually still in Indiana. We're actually in Zionsville when it happened. Are but, you really? Yeah, we found this. Yeah, we were in a week in Indiana right before we came out to Vermont. So. Oh, I thought you were saying you were you were in Zionsville right now. Oh no 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 no. no okay, no. I'm like, what? Like, why aren't oh, we no, hanging, we'd be, dude? We'd be literally, yeah, we'd be there. <laughs> why wouldn't you come to the studio? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's just super weird yeah 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 <laughs> so we found this this is like my new thing i'm gonna start going through grouse hunter's guide very yeah, cool i found this old book yeah i'm all i always buy hard copies of i stood i would almost got an audible and i was like you know what? that's a bad idea i need to actually like have all this information here yeah a lot of times if you buy the uh hard copy you get a audio version too yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, I actually ate some grouse while I was in Utah. That shit is yummy, man. It's like yeah, chicken. Yeah. It's like yeah, chicken. We have a really yeah. funny video of one up in uh, we were in Wyoming. We weren't hunting or anything. We were just camping in the Gravant uh, east of the Tetons. Mm. Um, but <laughs> if we get out of there, I almost hit this grouse in my truck. And we get out. And we must have been here. check on it, really. Yeah, it was being really weird. Like, I ran out to, at the car. And we we're like, what the yeah. hell? Because it just get hit. Now it's like loopy so i just stopped the car for a second and we get out and it's probably has a nest nearby or something 
and was just mad that something was getting weird. It was going to some sort of weird like defense mechanism that probably wasn't working mm-hmm. right. Like, mm-hmm. We had this hilarious video of running with the phone and this grouse just jumping up like nipping. Yeah, it. and it mm-hmm. was fast. Yeah, just chasing Funny. us and I'm, like laughing. We're like, oh my god. Yeah, those yeah. Are, that's like, I really want to get into that hunting though because those are good and there's they're everywhere. I mean, other than the sage grouse, the rest of them are highly populated. I loved that one because like basically somebody I didn't again I didn't shoot any of them myself but I actually went along on a grouse hunt at one point with a couple of these same guys and and they gave me one of the birds they probably shot 20 birds while while I was with them and you know we processed them all together and vacuum you know vacuum sealed them and they gave me one you know a couple of nice breasts really good and uh yeah, everybody loves a nice pair of breasts, right? Anyway, <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I got on YouTube and I'm like, how you know how best to cook grouse, right? I'm not sure what to expect. I know it's foul though, it's wild foul, yeah. right? And um I find this guy like probably second video I watch, and it's just this good old boy, redneck kind of guy. And he says, he says, I'll tell you what, you know best way to cook mountain grouse is battered deep fried and dipped in ranch dressing <laughs> and i said sold i'm done like i'm there <laughs> it's such a go-to for so much wild game like yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it was really yummy yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's another thing i'm glad we bought we bought a like wild game cookbooks and stuff there's still a couple i want to get that we don't have but that's another thing I think I was going to bring that up earlier is the hunting ethic of old is like very much like, especially in like the South is like shoot a deer, turn the whole thing into grind and sausage and whatnot. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're throwing so many good steak cuts. And yeah, like, for real. Just being so foolish about it. And like, that's, we've, that's why the antelope lasts us forever. We broke it down like you would a cow mm-hmm. and not be for a massive grind pile. We made sure it was a very minimal grind pile mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. We, had so much meat. I mean, we brought us ribs home and everything. We really cooked ribs with it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess I used rib meat one time for some burger meat too. But I mean, yeah, I think and there's bone a, broth. Yeah, and... we keep all the like the, the as many bones as we can. So, mm-hmm. Antelope hunts very easy because you pull up trucks right there. I mean, that's about as easy as big game hunt gets. They're like right by the road. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they evolved for cheetah. They don't live here anymore. They're actually like the second fastest animal debatably the fastest because they can run at like 60 miles an hour but hold it way longer than a cheetah can no so, kidding wow yeah there used to be the in the ice age there was a, a north american cheetah that was over and that's what they evolved to like run against and they're not we call them antelope they're not actually antelope they're like this extant group of a tree they're the only it's ones a, left. It's, it's a pronghorn antelope yeah it's a prong yeah exactly pronghorn yeah like yeah goat, like genetically yeah and, but they're just like fast as shit but they don't know to run so they just stand there so they're pretty yeah. easy to get yeah yeah like the, it was the greatest opportunity first tag it was so funny that we did that sure. then we did our deer hunt and we yeah. see like one four by four mule deer at ten thousand feet on a hill type just we just get our ass kicked the whole time yeah. like just, we were so sore so it was such an intense hunt <laughs> like, well, i i ate a i ate a pronghorn steak while i was out there and it was pretty good it was different yeah. it was different but it was yeah. good and like this whole thing about gamey, like I, I've just heard enough people say like, that's bullshit. Like there's no such thing. If you have gamey flavor, you overcooked it more than likely, you know, like best way to eat wild game is, you know, rare, like yeah, medium yeah. rare, you know? It's yeah. so easy to overcook it because it's got no fat. 
Right. I right. guarantee most people, that's why they go, oh, fuck this steak. I'm going to grind all of this. And it's like, oh, it's all tough. It's shoe leather. It's gaming. Yeah. And that's like, I made the best up, man. steak ever had off of antelope. Yeah, I did a big long process. I like soaked it in buttermilk for a day and then like tenderized it again, soaked it again, like did this whole thing and then marinated it. Oh, but it was like part of its backstrap tenderloin and it, you didn't even need to chew. Like you just move your mm, tongue around. Mm, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> best best steak I ever had was elk. You know, yeah, was elk elk backstrap, and it was so good. I kid you not, it was so good. I literally threw up. Yeah. <laughs> not immediately, but later because I ate so much. Yeah. It wasn't that I gorged on it. It was like it was so good. I had probably I don't know probably. 10 or 12 ounces at least a big steak big steak and i had like not really eaten much red meat um leading up to that i was kind of on like a fish and chicken and like kind of like whatever it's not that i didn't eat red meat just i wouldn't eat a lot eating a lot of it and this was the first steak i'd had never you know in forever and it was so good and i think i cut myself like a little extra off you know like had, had a little extra piece and went to sleep that night, woke up sweating and like, had like just a, a, you know, my body rejected all this meat. It was just like, it's too rich. It was too rich. It was so yeah. good. It was so fucking good. I just ate a little bit too much. <laughs> oak, is, oak is the second most protein dense meat. On the is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think my body was just like, holy shit, bro. Yeah. yeah. It's really bison and elk. And it's like, wow. I remember like a yeah. standard chicken. It was like, you get like 20 grams out of it yeah like get the exact amount you're talking about for standardizing some amount whenever i read that scale we looked up one time it's mm-hmm. like 60 for elk mm-hmm. like it's getting it's more than your body can even begin to process yeah 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 <laughs> for sure i probably consumed like a thousand grams of protein yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's like bro we don't need all this we don't need it all <laughs> give it back here's a <laughs> it's good though elk meat is yeah. so good super tasty super super tasty yeah that's not fair we should hopefully get an elk tag this year i hope you do i hope you i really hope you do i should probably start putting in for tags even though i don't live out there i should probably start building my points or whatever because i would i would like to start coming out there uh once a year try to get an elk you know that'd be awesome that's all you need that'd be your whole year man i know i know and i you know i could bring enough coolers and just pack it in ice and haul ass back home with it. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything illegal about that. I'd say if you go to that, the mediator podcast, I know I keep talking about them a lot, but I've listened Mm. to so many, they break all that down. You can find an episode that they talk about how to get through TSA with your guns properly. I mean, sure. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's possible to do. It's definitely a little hard, but yeah, I mean, people do it all the time. So destination I tell you what, I think we ought to probably wrap her up, but I think we should close by asking you each. I know y'all like guns. I know y'all like guns. Both <laughs> of you. And I think it's cool. It's like a, a, a marriage that like, yeah, marriage that shoots together, stays together. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm curious what each of your current, like favorite gun that you own is. Huh. Oh, okay. My rifle. Yeah. That, Thing is badass. badass. What <laughs> is it? You got a 30 or no, it's no. a it's a long range. I mean, it's it's a overly popularized round right now, but the six five Creedmoor. Say what 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 what? It's a six <laughs> it's six point five Creedmoor. So six point five millimeter round, but Creedmoor 
you can take like 2000 yard shots with it, but wow. like the paper people come in and think they can buy that for hunting. You're not going to take anything down. It doesn't have a whole lot of like oomph to it by its gun. That's what I used for my antelope. But well, at 200 yards though. Okay. And so she shot it right to the heart and it dropped. Like I need something that doesn't have a lot of kick. But Mm. let's go grab it just to show them. It's really cool. (laughs) It's it's the meat eater edition of Mm. a Weatherby's. uh, Was it originally a Weatherby? Not the Mark Five. It's like this motherfucker's got his own guns now. My man, yeah, well, he, I love he, it. yeah, he came into yeah, and it's so it's like you get a, basically a more souped up version of what the Weatherby model is. It's like an upgraded version. It was yeah. like it, it was a thousand dollar rifle. It's and like the bear rope on it. It's like <laughs> the bear grills, Gerber knives, and yeah, stuff. Dude. Yeah, it's so funny. My parents dude. have those. I made fun of them. Which I guess I yeah. Can. Hey, they're actually good. But they're good blades. I'm not gonna. Are, lie. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess I have research. I've known people that have owned them. They're they're, they're quality. You know. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, this scope is like 25 times zoom. No shit, wow. Yeah. It's got like all the military control on it, like the MRAD system. Lift it up a little bit for me. There we go. So it's bigger than a 22, but... Yeah, like... so it's like... It's got a little threaded uh, spiral fluted barrel, but it's, I mean, 6.5 millimeters, like... Add like an extra third to the 22 based on looking at the barrel. Okay. Gotcha. So definitely smaller than like a 30 caliber. But yeah. any the thing is it kicks like nothing. That's the other thing is yeah. I I had it with my 30 out six and she just didn't enjoy shooting. I mean, most people don't No, like it bruises your like, shoulder. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and it's very heavy. <laughs> and for me, if I'm already holding or carrying 50 pounds in my backpack, yeah. I need something that's light for my gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just fits well. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. It's pretty down. Oh, here's your scope cover. But that one's, yeah, it's pretty down into. They're like just casually shooting tiles. Like So that'd be a good, like, sport sport gun, basically, like target yeah. shooting gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great hunting run, too. I mean, that's sure, sure, sure. Inside of 500 yards, it's going to drop it still. And it's mm-hmm. super accurate. So, like, I just wouldn't take, like, people kept trying to buy them when I was at sports. I was like, like I want a 6.5 premium or take a thousand yard shots on an elk. And I was, I literally would just be like, that's super unethical, dude. Like, you're yeah, not, not going to have the stopping power at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely not. And it's going to, they're not large, like super large. Well, so this is super weird. This is another sidetrack thing, but the 6.5 round is about to become the military's round. They're mm-hmm. rebuilding everything right now. They're not going to use 223.556. Really? Switching over. I don't know if you see anything, but like six hour one, obviously they've got like the sidearm deal right now, but they also basically are redesigning like the AR platform. ARs are going to be antiquated here soon. It's a very similar design, very similar platform to that, like easy breakdown, easy build style, you know, you can switch calibers out pretty easily, but they're going to make a new, it's a 6.5, I think it's 6.5 Remington. It's basically a beefier 6.5 than that. And it's because they were having such problems in Afghanistan. Because so two, two, three, five, five, six is all close quarter, door to door battle. It comes from small engagements in Vietnam all the way up to like Iraq and all this desert storm stuff. Like it, it all comes from that. And it really wasn't very good in, uh, in terms of getting blown by wind. And I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that before. But like it, it can get off mark pretty easily in not a lot of wind. And so your 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 like area of I forget the military term, but the area where they can battle inside of it is a lot smaller, other than the guy with the saw, even though he's still just peppering an area, not accurately, unless you have like a precision rifle guy in your squad. But uh, they want to rebuild this system. 
they're further along. I think I haven't checked into it in a little while. I think the it was three different companies that had the bid. Six hour one. I think they've got their platform designed already. So that's going to be basically the military round soon. It's going to be so you can shoot a little farther. Gotcha. And it feels gotcha. like a little, a little kick, like I think six pounds a kick versus twenty pounds in the thirty. So it'd be a really good like assault rifle round. A, a yeah, yeah. Dual purpose, short, yeah. long range. Gotcha. Yeah, it's almost like a quasi between assault rifle and battle rifle. Okay. Like learn like you're getting a little like whatever the fuck that means anyways right yeah exactly that's just legal terms so they can try (laughs) to take them take them away from us you know yeah yeah true (laughs) (laughs) so what's your favorite then tegan i like them all (laughs) (laughs) good answer different purpose like which kid's your favorite oh i like them all but secretly (laughs) but secretly which one's your favorite yeah probably my 10 millimeter yeah, yeah that's the most I've ever spent on one gun. It's a super nice six hour giant nineteen eleven, and that's a bear gun. But yeah. just shoot because it's this big beefy handgun, like doesn't kick very much, and you just explode like anything. I'm gonna grab so it. it's yeah, go get it. There's <laughs> a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's awesome. Like like I said, I'm not kidding. I think so often it's just like women are intimidated by firearms. So I think it's cool that you are, that you're not, I should say, or that you, you know, (laughs) have you always shot? Did you grow up in a house that did or? No, actually, but my dad was the one who encouraged me to get one and even said that if I got my concealed carry permit, he'd buy me my first handgun. Nice. What what did he get you? Uh, A 1911. No, no, that's... Keegan got the 1911. I got the 911. It's the Springfield 911 is what I was going to say. But yeah. it's, a, it's a miniature 1911. It's gotcha. a 380 though. There you go. Yeah, it's got like the tritium. So that's a 10 mil, 10 mil on a 1911. Oh, I should have grabbed one of the frame. Bullets. 10 millimeters is a big ass. So yeah. 10 millimeter yeah. was designed because the CIA got their ass kicks with their 357s at a bank robbery and they lost like six agents. And they're like, we need something that's a little beefier. So they designed it in like 84 or something like that. It's like the 10 millimeter round, but they hated it. They're like, this thing kicks way too much. So they shortened that down and that's where the 40 came from. So the 40 gotcha. Smith and Wesson is the smaller, a shortened down. It's a less oomph 10 millimeter. But, but you like, like you, you like the oomph apparently. Well, just this thing's, I mean, it's, like it's massy. Gun. <laughs> yeah. It's got some mass on it. Yeah. And it's just straight metal and. So who'd you say makes that? It's six hour. Sig. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my favorite. It's hard to say though. I mean, y'all have y'all have a little collection started as far as I can tell. Yeah, and most of us have to. They really do all have all they have all have different purposes. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I only have like three if it was up to me, and I just have a fuckload of ammo for those three. Well, that's that's how I roll. Um, I do want to get like a more I want to get a semi-automatic pistol because right now I just carry my snubby 38 special, which better than nothing, but five rounds ain't much. You know, yeah. you hope that if you're in a situation where five rounds ain't enough, that you'd be carrying something bigger anyways. Um, yeah, yeah I basically, I've just got my snubby, I've got my 12 gauge and I've got my 22, you know, my, my varmint gun, my deer gun and my people gun. <laughs> really when you go down to it that's all you need yeah Yeah, i mean that's all we wanted effective out to 10 yards at best like just a defensive weapon it's like you know a little hand cannon in case of the worst 
and it, I got it because it's a real nice, um, it's a well-designed, that's the Ruger LCR. They, they come in nine mil, they come in 357 and they come in um, 38 special. And it's a hammerless revolver. You can slip it in your damn pocket. No one would ever know it's there. LCR is light compact revolver. You know, it's the ultimate concealed carry. Like you can, you can carry it comfortably. You almost forget you have it, you know? I sold so many of those during. Did you the LCR? Yeah. Yeah. Especially I actually would take them and I would, uh, I tried to sell them. I actually had a lot of success with like older women. I was like, you don't have to operate the hammer. And I was yep. like, this is easy as it gets. Like yep. nothing to get snagged out. on coming out of your purse or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a really good gun. That's it's a good gun. Like a they fired. I heard, I heard that Ruger, like they test all their guns by just firing as many rounds through it as they yeah. can before it jams or, or misfires or whatever. And um, they gave up with the LCR. <laughs> they shot, they shot 10,000 rounds through it. They're like, this thing's never going to jam. Like never, never. That's probably, we started carrying, I mean, you got your 380 still carrier, but that's one of the reasons I stopped carrying a 380 is they like stovepipe and jam up a lot. Mm-hmm. And, it's you really have to have a proper grip on it to get the mm. to operate properly. And I've still had that problem. So that's, I carry a nine now. Actually, I carry the Hellcat that like, I carry like 15 rounds of nine and the smaller gun than my 380. Mm. That's, that's like the six hour 365 and the uh, Hellcat that I have is uh, the two top semi autos right now. They're the smallest ones that carry the most nine. And mm. I put a red laser on, a red dot sight on it too. That's fun. Yeah. It's actually so they've done studies like that's like cut your if you need to be accurate, which really legally to protect yourself, you probably don't even ever need to use iron sights if you're someone's close enough that you're not going to. Oh, shoot you point point and, point and shoot pretty much. Yeah. yeah, but you don't have to take the time to do. It's like you know your eye on the rear sight, the front sight, and the target versus just dot. Boom, like, yeah, single dot. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I got that, and it's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> nice thing about a snub nose is there's not a whole lot of distance between your sights. You just go. Yeah, you are ready. You go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really want to. I want to get more, but I don't need more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, need want. What's the difference? Yeah. You know. <laughs> now, one thing. So uh, I guess this is different. I talked to this my coworkers. I originally, you know, was saying like I only want a couple because you know you, you don't have to focus. You can focus on a couple of calibers, get a bunch of the ammunition. But living through the shortage that we just did it was in our favor to have all these different calibers. Cause if 22 mm. was out, there was plenty of 10 millimeter. I'd go mm, by. Sure. I was able to diversify a lot more. So now we have like, like 10,000 at least of every caliber we have. Wow. Wow. I'm nowhere close to that. I'm sitting on two boxes for my snubby couple yeah. thousand from a 22 and like five boxes from a 12 gauge. I'm pathetic. As far as preppers go, you know, it's like, I got, I guess more. I know, well, I know. I have some to spare. So well, ahead. shit. You know, my whole thing is I'm hoping that like my social capital will be the main thing that sees me through yeah. any trouble. <laughs> you know, it's like because uh, my ammunition stores are not going to do it as far as barter and whatnot goes. <laughs> That's right. Too. We have all used that connection. We've got that. That would be yeah. huge. That would basically be just be money. Yeah. See, I'm interested. You know, partly it's all money. Like I just I've been broke for the last whatever my whole life since being on my own and um (laughs) and um but i'm interested in setting up myself to where i want like um multiple platforms for 
minimal calibers. So like probably the AR platform and an AR pistol of some kind. And probably like, I like the idea of like a 45 carbine carbine, like, a, Oh yeah. I will. You know, yeah. 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 Um, That's a good beefy round. Yeah. I think my next, my next purchase will probably be a 45 caliber 1911. You know, that's kind so of what it has a, a Smith and Wesson shield in 45. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he got. Cause did you know that he freaking lived in the Chaz zone? I don't know what Logan's that means. apartment was in the Chaz zone. What's that? The, mean? the Seattle thing that when the, when the people in Seattle revolted and took over that. Oh like, shit. And they, they blocked out all the law enforcement altogether. Yeah. 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 Logan lived there when that happened. He was literally I, living in it. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to get a gun now. Cause I don't trust like people, but yeah. That was yeah. such an interesting thing that happened. That was like. Super interesting, man. I was right in the middle of all of it. Like I couldn't help myself. I, I was drawn to it and I carried the whole time. I kind of like appointed myself as security in some regards like yeah um and just like i i i knew people that were in the protest and stuff and like when shit got wild i kind of took a step away kept an eye on things just like i'm not gonna get involved here but this is wild shit and i just had to watch i like yeah probably wasn't that's one thing we're too rural we never saw any of that the only thing that ever happened was my first day at sportsman's they almost closed the store because they Mm. said in like the town a half hour away that there was like a riot of some kind which right, out yeah. here was like well, it was like one a traveling dude. protest that was yeah. nearing the town too yeah, yeah. they were sort of gonna it might have come in the hebrew or whatever and they were like they're gonna break into the gun store and silly guns and I'm like probably i mean from what i saw like 95 percent of that whole thing was peaceful protesting and yeah there, there was i swear i swear it was it was agent provocateurs Bro, those it always happens i like, swear man every you know you heard the same story from a lot of places you know white kind of like almost middle-aged like guys with skateboards yeah, <laughs> being the first that. ones to break windows that's that's the story like time and you time again someone, like i'm doing that same thing right what's that you saw, you saw someone that fit that description too, that's exactly right? what i saw in indy and i heard about it in other places i i was there right on the circle and like I heard the first window break. I couldn't see it, but then I see this guy, you know, that's the thing. They might've been waiting for like someone else to like throw the first brick, like an actual protester. But then I swear, like next thing I saw, it's just one guy skateboard breaking like every window, just like with this, like, like he was on a mission, you know, I was like, that's what he was going to do. And it seemed very strange to me. I was like, that's very strange behavior, even for somebody that's like all jazzed up and, angry is just like every window and he was in no rush and there were there were cops around and i i saw one guy i legit it's funny i almost have like all this stuff is almost a blur but i saw at one point um there was like groups of people there was always groups of people watching cops doing whatever they were doing and again i heard a similar story from another place but I saw them like handcuff somebody, you know, and they were talking like this group that I kind of pulled up next to. I was on my motorcycle and, um, and they were watching this whole encounter. And somebody said, I think that's another plain clothes officer, like kind of milling about wasn't the guy getting arrested, but like, you could see there was this weird, like conversation going on. Yeah. And it was like, there were definitely like plain clothes guys in there, like talking to the cops, like buddy buddies. 
and um just just strange stuff man it was just like that whole thing to me felt in some ways like exactly what certain people wanted to happen like yeah lock people up for a while and make them go crazy like well and like use it as justification for more and more control yeah like we need yeah. to control you guys more because you're all crazy. Create like, a little easier way to make us crazy. <laughs> you know, create a little organized chaos, scare the country into into, you know, instead of defund the police, it becomes we need more. You know, and it's like there's there's that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. But it's like that's why you don't want to live in the city. That's why you want to live out in the country and take your own responsibility for your you know security, right? Yeah, but ideally i would you know i'd love to split my time i like having a city a city existence yeah Um, yeah we definitely go we definitely like that's why we i think salt lake is almost so ideal because you can get so remote mm -hmm. it's actually like everything's theocracy here and how weird it can be but like you're you can get so remote and then there's a literally salt lake city is right there well truthfully man the theocracy being what it is um the mormons have already like a precedent of standing up to the federal government yeah so all their weirdness aside it's actually i've thought about this like utah might be kind of a smart place to go in that if we see like balkanization as many people predict um the mormons will kind of keep their shit on lockdown Uh, yeah and maybe it's better to be sort of in a more like secure i don't know i don't know what's better i don't know what's better because who knows? You can tell that the history of this area is to stay separated. Yeah, they were all, I mean, they they wanted their own sovereign nation. They didn't yeah. quite get it, but they sure ne- damn near, they damn near did. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really did. <laughs> so, you know, if history, they say history doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't always repeat, but it usually rhymes. Yeah. It's like the Mormons, the Mormons have that history of standing up and saying, nah, we're good. You know, we're just going to do our thing out here and you can go fuck yourself. You know, <laughs> they say there's still plenty of little areas like there, there's, there's like the FLDS, like the fundamental, well, they'll dress like kind mm-hmm. of prairie and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, they say that a lot of those communists, if the government shows up, like that's, they better reach out first and like make a whole thing out of oh, it. Oh, they, they will open fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally done. But. There's been times, there's been yeah. standoffs. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah you know, they kind of, yeah. Somebody they kind of stopped they stopped going after the polygamists because they're like oh, like these people don't <laughs> want to be pushed around like they mean business you know they, do. they really do stand up they're super nice people on the surface on the surface yeah i know that's why i'm saying like is it going to be like handmaid's tale in utah is it yeah, going to be worse you know is it going to be worse i don't know i don't know but <laughs> i mean yeah women still can't hold any sort of position in their church and I know, I know. You, yeah you literally she'd have to get any man to sign off for anything she wouldn't have done ever a religious yeah. <laughs> well, that was pretty vague. well okay medically but like yeah like, certain yeah. operations i would have to have approval even if it was gonna kind of kill you though seriously yeah. really yeah. like your like, consent doesn't do it or yeah, yeah. essentially like i'm no way naive yeah. i need to have no way I, I filled co-signer. out my first uh physician that i came to my like to be my yearly checkup here there was literally on the form said like what religion are you that was a question um yeah wow. it's different here at times it gets fucking weird that is weird there i i definitely saw some of the weirdness um and it's yeah. kind of like it's on the surface but it's between the lines right yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Really. <laughs> and i've met tons of mormons that i'm super close because like out here yeah. in this area most of the mormons i've met aren't 
they don't go to the church or temple they're mormon yeah they believe like, in, like culturally yeah yeah but they're like they're just hunters way more than they're mormons like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of mormon and just utahns i mean it's part of the culture the whole like you know we kind of look after ourselves we look yeah. after our community is better That's it's not just you know i actually see a lot of like lessons to be taken from the mormons they have their own uh welfare system yeah. like they take when somebody has hard times like yeah. the church takes care of their own yeah um you know there's there's some interesting stuff but there's also some weird yeah. shit <laughs> so. they're, they're a little still a little too centralized for my taste it is, it they is. Get, i think i told you this is weird all hanging out that night but they got in trouble for that bank account mm. it's a bank account that they've been taking money from people for i don't even know how long but it had like 150 million dollars in it and it was supposed to be put back into the homeless population of salt lake city and they never had poof the did it like yeah the disappear. Like, showed up was like you guys want to lose like your tax exempt status this is 150 uh-huh. million dollars they were just gaining interest on it and like making money no way no way yeah it's supposed uh- to have gone into a, like that was a huge thing in salt lake they're like what the fuck dude like Wow, wow yeah they really failed there and for acting like they care about so much it's true though they care about their own yeah like, well i think it's like there? that philosophy works on a local scale salt lake city like as a city shouldn't be managed by the mormon yeah. church you know but you know the local small church is a good thing usually but did you ever go to downtown salt lake i did yeah. i did yeah. it's crazy like, half the city yeah. is is church yeah, there's yeah. a giant, like, was that Mormon, like, world center with the big globes, like, mm-hmm. engraved into it? Like, I didn't get a chance to go into the, um, what do they call it? The uh, ancestral library or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they've got the, um, the they've got the, the genealogy library. Thank you. Yeah. They've got the most extensive, like, genealogy records um, on the planet. Of course, they, kind of like fudge stuff as they see fit it's funny how people become mormon after they die if they're yeah. like famous and like well yeah. regarded it's like oh didn't you know teddy roosevelt was secretly a mormon you know it's like no he wasn't <laughs> they, they, they fucked up recently and they get called out because they tried to do like Anne frank or something they yeah, tried to call yeah. baptism of the dead oh my god oh my god so really crazy. Jewish, the whole thing is like, what? like yeah he didn't even know he was mormon but he was mormon yeah <laughs> and they also invented irrigation so yeah 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 they're yeah, a little yeah. bit self-fulfilling but... no doubt no doubt <laughs> well i tell you all what like i unless you got anything else dying that needs to come out i think um you know it's getting late here on my end i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this bitch up Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. This is a really good one. I, you know, like one of the best. So I really appreciate you guys being willing and being willing to be like personal and real and raw and this and that. Um, you know, I think the beauty is nobody's ever gonna hear this that you know, unless I get like huge, in which case who cares, right? Like it's all good. Like <laughs> I'm not bothered by anyone. Yeah. Cool. I don't care if anyone knows who I am and anything spread Watch the word the yeah 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 well uh you know melissa says hi she said it was lovely getting yeah. to know you guys so uh yeah well, well she is she is uh yeah yeah so anyways hopefully uh hopefully we can get out there soon hang yeah, out and i want to see i want to see the homestead yeah it's it's super cool we're very <laughs> very lucky that we were able to put this all together so fast yeah i thought yeah. i'd retire into this situation yeah, so, yeah. the knowledge over really. decades like 
y'all are y'all hit the ground running and i think you got a really good start yeah, yeah. I'm, excited. I'm excited to see what it looks like in five years yeah right crazy all right y'all <laughs> now uh i'm probably gonna like say an actual goodbye to you in just a moment but we're gonna call it there for the podcast so thanks for listening to the easy peasy podcast y'all come back again soon this has been mike the polymath with the easy peasy podcast come back again